Ahoy there, it's me, your old pal, Captain Kevin. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Adichera Podcast. This podcast is 100% ad-free and listener-supported, and the reason is because of our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. Become a backer now, support the show, but more importantly, you'll get access to a ridiculous amount of content. We're closing in on over 200 hours of exclusive audio, everything from the Smackdown Crawl, which is actually the reason why we're at Judgment Day 2001 right now, We've got nearly a hundred episodes of that. We've got the Bibliotech book reports, some of which have been released here on the main free feed. We've also got video episodes of myself and Adam and Adam and Billy. We've got comic reviews. We've got cardsmanship. There's the the big show, 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 outtake compilations, Q&As, commentary tracks, all this and more available over at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. $5 to get access to those goodies and it will remain $5 to get access to those goodies. So if you like the show, want to support it and help keep it ad free head over to patreon.com forward slash ae podcast but for now let's settle in and end the ride of the two-man power trip spectacularly at judgment day 2001 hello everyone and welcome to the attitude podcast bono 2001 oh fill in that last little gap special edition hello everyone once again it's me your old pal captain kevin Joined as I am always in these couple of pay-per-views that have fallen through the cracks and we've done Smackdown Crawl for nearly a hundred episodes now. God, we're very close. Very close. So I'm joined as I'm always by fellow crawler Adam Bibolo. Hello. Hey, hey buddy. How you doing? I'm very, very well. This is... A pay-per-view that if you told me six months ago we're going to be doing, I'd be like, oh, fuck, here we go. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone wants. That's what we want. And then we went and did Backlash. Yep. And then we went and we did Insurrection. Yep. And let's just say that 2001, the demise of the Attitude Era buzz was fucking palpable on those shows. Look, we don't look, we don't set out to be contrarian or anything, but this happened several times where something that everyone says is brilliant, we're always like, actually... This isn't that great. Or something that everyone shits all over, like the invasion. It's like, hey, actually, there's some good in here, you know? So I was like, this period that everyone dumps on, they say the two-man power trip sucks. I'm going to look for the gold here. I'm going to find some joy to take away from this. And it has been one of the fucking bleakest rains on all of SmackDown Crawl. Yeah, it's just been, like, bad vibes all around. That's I've... it. Just really fucking <laughs> negative, moody shite all the time. I used to feel so excited and happy watching SmackDown for the Crawl. And every week at the minute, it's just like... Here come the bad guys. They're going to do something really nasty. Oh, yeah. And who's that coming to save the day? Our white knight in shining armor. Absolutely no one. Oh. And the Undertaker. Oh, yeah. It's fucking Booger Red with a mouthful of chew. And yeah, here's our big hero baby face. (laughs) Where's the rock? I just, I think it's so funny that you take away the rock, you take away Mick Foley. That's, that's, those are big gaps on your roster there. Don't get me wrong. But like the Attitude Era from 97 onwards, you can argue, there's like, Look at the end of 97 into 98. Oh, my God, Brett's gone. 98 into 99. Oh, my God, Shawn Michaels is gone. You know, Steve Austin's technically gone for that point Mm -hmm. as well. You go 99 to 2000. Oh, my God, Undertaker's gone. There's all these times where it's like someone is gone, but it almost felt like everything was fine. People rose to the occasion. That's it. People would fill in those spots and, like, elevate themselves as a result. What's so strange about this period of time, this post-WrestleMania 17 period, where I would have... You know, easy have told you before we start our podcast that this is like the best roster WWF ever had. Absolutely, at the time. it is. Yeah, but it's amazing that you can have the best roster ever coming off the heels of the greatest wrestling show of all time. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyone says that's WrestleMania seventeen, folks. 
and yet still they struggle here. It's mad that they can look down the card and be like, let's see what we've got here. We've got Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero. You know what? I think we're going to go with The Undertaker again, actually. <laughs> I think, yeah, that worked really well last time we had Undertaker on top. Let's do that again. And all at the same time, we are having big world-changing events happening in, in the real world, where the XFL has reportedly lost <laughs> both 50 million for Vince <laughs> and 50 million for NBC. <laughs> I like to point out as well that is after they have adjusted for the tax write-offs as well. That's on, uh-huh. you know, So separate yeah. from that... That's that's the actual sting in the tail. Is there. that including the blimp bill as well? Like, because that must have cost a pretty penny too. So they have officially folded the XFL like a week or two before <laughs> Judgment Day. Here, that is done. We are meant to be launching the new brand WCW, which we went into a fair bit of yeah. detail about at the start of season three. I think we were all shocked to find out just how ramshackle the acquisition of that property and ECW, which they never actually acquired until a few months in, but a lot of shit not working out for them right now, it feels. Yeah, it's it's doomed right from the start because supposedly this is all going on behind the scenes. If you're watching telly, WCW is like bam, sheen on factor at this point. They never mention it anymore. Not a breath of it. I always thought, because I was away in German language college when I was 12 for a couple of these episodes of SmackDown we've been watching over on Patreon thinking all of it's been explained there. That's it. They're getting on with it while I'm over here like. and absolutely not like they are mm. not mentioned at all because I think they're a little bit gun shy I've been reading JR's blogs from around this time mm. and it's like a laundry list of who's who in WCW who's available he's meeting with all sorts meeting with Rob Van Dam meeting with Sabu like there's all these people who he's calling and meeting like so stuff is happening uh huh but you're not, like, you haven't even seen Shane McMahon on telly, That's really. it. There's no Shane around at the minute either. There's no mention of it. Have we seen Shane on TV since the Big Show match? I don't think we have. Not on SmackDown. He may have been on Raw, yeah. but not on SmackDown. I don't think we have now. He's been gone. Now, I don't think it's a good time to bring this up, but I, I'll tell you, this is a pay-per-view that, as a kid, I had really fond memories of. Yep. You know, So I was coming into this still, in spite of those last two, being quite hopeful. But a little bit of information I only found about very, very recently, and it's because I was doing some research for the next How To episode. Mm. But did you know there was a reported Shawn Michaels comeback on the card during this time? <laughs> Let me see here. We got uh, Benoit, Jericho, Angle. No, you tell you what, before we go to Undertaker, get me that guy with the broken back on the phone. God yeah. damn it. I think it's time we bring him in. <laughs> broken back, broken smile, broken spirit. Like, what else do you fucking want? Like? Seriously? Yeah. Sean. Sean. I mean, I guess it is like less than 12 months is it or around 12 months till he will actually be coming back so I mean, it's not that crazy i guess he's brought back just after i guess it's around kind of april may 2002 where he's brought back for the nwo he doesn't wrestle again until that summer slam. it's that summer, summer slam. slam okay him and triple h but as early as you know wrestlemania was when the thought was that maybe we'll have him in for 17 mm. And then apparently he showed up. There was TV tapings right beforehand where he showed up. And I mean, as good as you can put together from dirt sheets that have various degrees of sensitivity about reporting on someone being, and I quote, an absolute dick backstage. Oh, Jesus. And you know, as much as a dick as you can be and then have a nap afterwards that you're then asked to politely leave. What was the capacity they wanted to use him at 17 for then? I don't know. Like that's, that bit I couldn't find out Special referee or some shit, I'm guessing. There like... was going to be him and him and Hunter were going to be tagged up together. There was oh even, shit, really? There was chat that Hunter was even going to be involved with some big NFL player who, forgive me, the name escapes me right now, but he Jesus was embroiled wept. in a scandal where he was uh, on trial for murder. 
and he got acquitted. Oh and they God. thought it would be good to rehabilitate his image in the way that Mike Tyson rehabilitated Christ. his image. The only details I could find out of which were Triple H was reportedly going to go real hard and be like, you're a murderer. Fucking hell. I'm the game and I say that you should have went to prison. I thought I was sick trying to run down Steve Austin, but you did crimes I could only ever dream of. Yeah, and then the NFL guy's like, hang on a second, it wasn't me, this lad Rikishi. <laughs> him to do the deed but Sean was going to be in the mix apparently he met with JR JR didn't think that he was up to it the idea kind of you know with him falling asleep backstage and getting on really badly with everyone it's like right let's leave him be for now until the point is where it might be in Sean's head his own idea to come back and that will as opposed to him being forced back or being expectations put upon him now Wrestlemania 17 that's 1st of April 2001 yeah and we are now on May the 20th. So in yeah. like six weeks, something has changed here that they want to get Sean back in again now. Well, like. the chat was that we're at Backlash. We were going to get Undertaker and Kane versus Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Wow. Yeah, you got to wait a little. Wait, wait, give it a couple decades. Yeah. Give me some blood money and maybe we'll think about it. Yeah, maybe we'll think about it. But you got to work towards DX versus the Brothers of Destruction. But that, that feels like this whole thing, which the two-man power trip has kind of pulled out of thin air because... Mm. I have a funny feeling that if DX are coming back together, it's going to be a heel unit. Mm. Where does that leave Stone Cold Steve Austin, your new hot heel? I don't know. But I know it's around this time as well. I know Brian Zane uh, put me onto this one originally, but Sean did have that match. I know Brian Danielson mentioned it in his book that was like 2000 Wood and Sean's like Texas Wrestling Association. He had like a, a street fight with a lad called Venom, right. whatever it was. And they, they put on like a match. Like Sean was like pretty much saying, I can go. But no one in any of these dirt sheets is saying that Shawn Michaels is fucked up on drugs or anything like that. And that's why he can't do it. But physically, he is ready. Emotionally, he is not yet. But there are kind of reports that Vince is getting impatient, kind of like, if not now, when? I mean, I can kind of see that the way things are going at the minute with their, like, the way they've booked their card and main event talent here. I can see why he'd be itching to get someone like Sean back in again. I wouldn't be surprised if Mick was getting phone calls around this time as oh, well. Oh yeah, like, well, would, you, would you fancy coming back again? Well, Mick like, was meant to wrestle at 17, don't forget. Of course he Vince. was, yeah. And the, the Mick's rationale was that you need me to bring me in to maybe a show that needs a bump and Rock Austin's going to set records, so you don't need me. Save it for a day in the line. And of course, Foley is another person whose relationship with the company is kind of yeah. fizzling out at this moment. But apparently as early as the Rumble, Vince wanted Shawn Michaels Michael's back. He's time is running out. Sean is thirty-five. Jeez. Like the idea that I get thirty-five. Yeah. Let's go. (laughs) Don't worry. He's he's got many left in him yet. But just interesting to keep that as a little bit of flavour for the kind of the madness that we see sometimes on TV. Could be a little bit of it is that there's some you know big ideas that we thought as far back as January this will happen and it's not happening. I will say what's interesting as well is just thinking about it there. I think because we do the SmackDown crawl, usually an episode a month. So it's six weeks since Mania. It's been like over the period of six months we've been looking at this two-man power trip. But really so little time has actually passed. It feels like everything has changed for the worse dramatically. And it feels like this has been a long, ongoing slog. It's been fucking less than two months. I know, it's really funny because, you know, Foley, is, he gets spot for later on. Foley is good comes out around this time. Oh, yes. Second autobiography. And it's like, mate, you're writing an autobiography about a period of 18 months. We're like, well, this period of 18 months, a lot of shit's happening. A lot going down. Yeah, and like, even though we were looking at this period for a long time, it's amazing that all these other kind of little bits and dribs and drabs from everyone having podcasts now and talking about it are kind mm. of coming out to the forefront. But... I'm not saying that Shawn Michaels not coming back is the reason why things seem to not be working, but I think it's one of the many factors 
that have led to this being a particularly strange period of time mm. where they feel almost gun shy with pushing some folks here. Absolutely. It's it's bewildering that there are so many people being kept in the mid card who are definitely ready to step up. So Judgment Day 2001 is a show I had very fond memories about as a child. Same. As a Kane fan, big same here. And I have a golden theory about this type of a show and I think that I've seen a lot on pay-per-view classic for how to but from a lot of my own watching I think that if you're a pay-per-view that's got a storyline that runs through it yep. contained within that's always going to be a good time solid gold Survivor Series 98 is one of the ultimate examples of that I think and also my theory is as well if the one the year before was really good that rubs off a little bit in the year after in my memory if that makes sense like Backlash and Judgment Day this year I had big, big strong memories of both of them being great as a kid simply because Backlash 2000 and Judgment Day 2000 yeah were so good, good yeah, shows, yeah, yeah. oh it's Backlash well Backlash is great obviously because last year's one was yeah well you're not watching fucking Raw in 2022 like Muggins over here is so the mm. phrase Judgment Day has new meaning for me Boy. so I had a cold chill going down my spine brother when I settled in to watch this one speaking of cold chill this will give you a cold chill this is this month's WWF magazine cover Kevin give it to me Wow! <sighs> yeah! What is it good for? I won the Monday Night War. <laughs> what is it good for? Ruining lots of potential matches and business <laughs> opportunities. Huh, say it again. I had this one as a kid. It's a big black and white Vince face for those at home. And if you zoom in on the eyes. Who's in the who eye? Who's that there? Oh. <gasps> it's Shane McEye. The eyeball does say McMahon, but it says Shane McMahon. Oh, again. man. Seems quite far behind these magazine covers. This magazine cover would tell you like, holy shit, it's going down, baby, WCW. No, nothing. Nothing on TV. I think they've left it so long now with WCW. I say long, it's been like a couple of weeks. But in that period of time, it feels like the appetite has went from it being like, oh, to... Mm you need to be like keep it building like obviously their plans are to do invasion in the summer so you want to wait a little bit there's no reason why you can't still have it like sizzling away in the background little mentions every now and then on telly keep it in people's minds well they haven't a fucking clear what's going on with relation to that but that's because they're focused on the products they're focused on giving you a pay-per-view with a heel unit on top that oh, is yeah. destinating everything in its path so let's settle in and see if it lives up to the hype of the past it's time for Judgment Day, 2001. Look at this. Big old set. Yeah, massive production on this one. I think that's where they filmed the intro for the I Warzone bits. Same warehouse yeah. area. I love it when they actually take out a crew and, a, and an actual team of people and make a video. for the, It's not just an edited highlights package here with some graphics. This is actually they've gone out and filmed the thing. We've got like a sort of a homeless preacher man in front of a congregation of people doing the sort of big doomsday kind of naysaying like 
Judgment Day is upon us kind of thing. Oh, I love this. And you might think, oh, this is just some guy that's like maybe a little misled or whatever. No, no, this guy is straight up demonic because he raises his arms at one point and fire comes blasting out of barrels, Kane style. Yeah, we all framed after that one. It was very grievous. See, now, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, oh, this is a total Jid character. Kane would have like met him on the docks at some point. <laughs> I'm thinking Chaos Comics is this yeah. guy through and through right here. This guy's at least Stiggy and adjacent. That's it. He's after the books of Stiggy and this guy. You know what I like about this, Adam? It was short and sweet. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that was them confidently being like, you know what, we're going to give you an intro pack that is a third the length of a normal one, mm -hmm. or if it's just like, ah, this story ain't really good, is yeah, it? I don't much to say about this one. Judgment Day, the end is near. You fucking figure it out. Judgment Day, the end is near. It's Steve Austin ringing up, going, "Yeah, the Undertaker's wife's in a, in an accident." Oh. <laughs> then the reveal: it was me that did that. Oh, Judgment Day, two thousand and one. <laughs> I like the big bloody hourglass. It gave me like Todd McFarlane vibes. Yep. I thought it was very much what teenage boys would have been wanting to see on their screen at the time. It was very of the time. Yes, and that's our set design as well. We have the stage has two big blood hourglasses on either side of it and a load of like printed on corrugated iron and shit. We cut to our rabid crowd here in Sacramento, California, who I'm going to say right now at the start of this show are one of the hottest crowds yep. I have ever heard. And they had a couple of dart matches. We had Raven and Val Venus. That'll get them going, you know, baby. We, we had the Hollies versus Kai and Tai. Oh, that's it, right. That, like, legitimately, that is the one that exactly. got them awake. They're, like. all, they're all raring to go <laughs> yeah. here. And like, it's, when you cut to JR and Paul, they're almost like, shocked that they have to speak up because the yeah. crowd are so fucking rabid. It's a great time, as always, seeing Heyman and, and JR. I think that has, for the most part, lived up to the hype of the nostalgia for that. Yeah. And regardless of all of our issues, like we said before, this is like peak roster. So if you're going to see a live show like this, I would be jazzed as hell, regardless of how bad the product is, because I'm going to see all of these amazing wrestlers live. JR says him and Paul are ready. The great fans in WWF New York are ready. Oh. But are the two-man power trip ready? Because they've got a pretty tall task ahead of them here tonight with our d -d -d double main event. We got Kane and Triple H, and we got, once again on the podcast... One more time. Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker. Can't get enough. Two of the biggest icons yeah. trying to figure out how to fucking wrestle each other. <laughs> you can't wrestle! <laughs> You've done it so many times. Like, honestly, I think if it ever happened again where The Undertaker and Austin laced up those boots one more time, they come into the ring, look at each other, turn to the crowd and go, you fucking figure it out! Because <laughs> that's all they've got left to do. Regal and Rikishi, open us up here yeah. tonight. Yeah, fucking A. This is a perfect match to start a show off. I'm going to tell you right now, folks. Listen to the heat that Chili Willy Regal mm. gets here. This is one of the biggest heel reactions I think I've heard in the entire run of the Attitude Era. The Intercontinental title on the line in a chain match. Four titles decided tonight and we kick it off with a real pompous ass. Holy shit, like. What was the line that got the big, big heat there? Was there a particular verbiage or yeah. anything? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this following contest sketch for one fall, introducing from Blackpool, England, William Regal. <laughs> oh, <that's, laughs> I thought it was Regal's promo you were talking no, about. No, he that... just came out. Wow. Like, you fucking felt that. Mm. I'm going to say all the reactions for this show later on tonight are quivering in the boots of the reaction that William Regal gets here. That's interesting. He's not really done anything crazy evil recently. He's, if actually, know, he's been more 
babyface. So the last episode of SmackDown, yeah. he stood up to Triple H. He was like, no, I'm not going to change your bloody match, Sunshine. You'll get what you deserve. We've like, seen the heel commissioner be pushed to the limits of how much inside Vince McMahon's big pocket he truly would like to live. That's it. But he never said anything about the tight Daisy Duke jean pockets of Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> and Triple H would then pop on track pants. Have you got any fucking pockets, nah, you freak? fucking joke. But like, he's here to do a bit of evil corporate business because yep. the physical commissioner is taking on Rikishi. And if you've not been following along with us in the SmackDown crawl, Rikishi, one-time attempted murderer, has had a little bit of a change of heart recently, Adam. He's actually a big, cuddly baby face again. And how do we know he's a baby face? Because he rubbed his big, horrible bum in Stephanie's face. And like, I, I tried with everything I could to, like, show this to Joe. We did our Rikishi episode and be like, see, it's not all misery. He had a kind of a happy little twist on it. <laughs> and this man went from, like, being brought out and being like, do it, rub your bum in our enemy's face. And he'd be like, yeah. nah, I ain't going to do that no more. There's one thing you're trying to kill you, Hoss, but I ain't going to do do your bidding regards to my big bum. And then he's the good guy and he's stink-facing Stephanie, main event on Raw against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, the big man is back. Fucking opening contest here tonight. Like, I mean, I'm not surprised. Down there. Yeah, I'm not surprised he's back in open and contest. If you're going to flip him back to being a babyface again, then you're going to have to start all over. You've you've basically reset your career mode, and you're going to have to work your way back up again. But it doesn't even matter because he's going to be gone again after this month anyway. The realization of like going through his career for for that app and being like. It ain't the fact that the fans never forgave him. Because I think as a no, kid, no. I was like, I'll never forgive you. We, we rest in fans. We've got long memories. And we'll, <laughs> very accurate long memories. And we'll never forgive you. No, it's not we never forgave you. It's that we actually didn't care. Mm. Like, and we stopped caring. Yeah. To the point where it's like, you see Rikishi coming out here. Hey. That's it. You know, and he was a guy. And he, folks who've listened on that Smackdown crawl. There's a couple of times early on in the 2000s where me and Adam were fucking marking out thinking this oh. man is top fucking dollar. There was a point where he was heating up so much that he could have conceivably done a main event in a, main, in a pay-per-view. Like, not necessarily win the belt or anything, but he could have challenged someone like Triple H for the belt on pay-per-view. You could have interchanged him and Jericho when you did the, like, you know, Jericho wins the belt and has to give it back. You could have yep. done that where Kishi that fans would have been perfectly. just as happy. Yep. Dare I say it, even a little bit happier. But I mean, as a wrestling fan at this point in time, what do you want to see from Rikishi? I don't know. You don't really. You want to see him. Bomb, that's guess. it. You want to see him do a stink face. He's been a horrible heel, and we all hated it. He had a great run as Intercontinental Champ last year, but that's not really gone anywhere because he's back down at the start of the card. So you, you just want to see him rub his bum in a bad guy's face. And that's all they're talking about on commentary. Like, oh, yeah, they're, they're yeah. like, oh, you know, look at his ass. Look at his big, yeah. bodacious bum is the that's phrase it. that JR has bodacious here tonight. Bodacious bum. The bodacious buttocks of Rikishi <laughs> Fatu. Regal cuts a little promo to start us off here before yes. we get going. He says, if you try and put your disgusting bum in my face, <laughs> the consequences will be bloody permanent. I love that. That's a bloody warning, Sunshine, yeah? All right, <laughs> just be careful. I mean, and also, I think that explains where Rikishi's going to go now for the rest of the year, because I'm yeah. going to assume that Regal's going to fire him. I'll say as much as I can about Rikishi here. He gets a decent pop for kayfabe attempted murderer that he is. That's it. it you know? The fans literally don't remember that or don't care about that in the slightest anymore. It feels that he's gotten, like more damage to kayfabe trying to kill someone than the closely associated Jimmy Superfly Snooker did for actually killing someone. You know, the fans were a lot more forgiving about that, you know, back oh, it was the old, old days, wasn't it? Like, you know, <laughs> things things were different back then. JR basically tells at the start as well, he's hurt here, folks, Rikishi. He's got messed up shoulder and he has a lot of nagging injuries as well. Mm. And he literally says, don't expect much from the big man here. Jesus. 
That's a fun way to start a pay-per-view, isn't it? Would you have known that Rikishi was hurt in the early goings? Not hurt. We've mentioned this before, I think, but he has slowed down a little bit in these last few appearances we've seen from him. He's not the sort of... The big guy that can zip around really quickly anymore. He has slowed down a little bit, but he still works fine. You know, he's got no fucking sign of slowing down here. Mm. William Regal. Yeah, honestly. I think he's in the best shape of his entire run. Like any company, he looks like a fucking brick shithouse here. peak Regal here, I think. And peak Regal in terms of the fans hating him. Big sign in the front row. Stink face Willie. (laughs) There's also Regal needs a stinky face as well. (laughs) JR said bodacious bum six times in this match. And it's up to me to tell JR in the past... You stop that right this second. Uh, we have the the stink face, the stink face, uh, a crafty counter from the physical commissioner early on. Mm-hmm. He gives him a low blow, and, ah. and the referee's like, "Ah, oh, fair fucks, man." Yeah, like, you know, always thinking two steps ahead. Rikishi gets no earring grief from Jim Ross, and I know it. He's on his back in this one. He has no less than three earrings across the two lobes here. I've not heard Jr. go on about earrings for a good while. Actually, maybe he's finally calmed down. I was wondering if there was an implied BSK immunity <laughs> from, uh, from that type of a chat. Like, get a little bit of momentum going from Rikishi, who is kind of you know not giving you the full you know hard hitting style, but we do get the big leg drop. We get the hip smash in the corner. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he is still. Rikishi as you know him to be Jim Ross screaming Get a good look at this bum <laughs> What do you mean Jim? Just get a good look at it He says that literally as the stink face Is about to happen like. and The problem is like, King used to be like ah, That's it like, Look you say what you will about Jerry Lawler you knew where he stood with that man's Absolutely. ass. Absolutely. Heyman is neither here nor there. Nah. So you got JR being like, dig this. And Paul's like, there's, the, the, okay, JR. He doesn't really know what to make of it all. This is the most sedate reaction I've ever heard to a stink face, I think. Because you got JR being like, oh man, that's gotta be nasty for a William Regal. It's like proper 2K commentary. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Like, and it just takes a lot of the fun out of it, I think. Because you want to have that sort of big like, Oh, you get him there, Rikishi! Who's your daddy? He hasn't wiped in three weeks! Like, you want that big, nasty sell to it. <laughs> he like. shoots! He scores! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, instead, it's left to William Regal, who gives this... An all-time sell, let me tell oh, you. Oh, this is that gif. That yes. William Regal trembling with the eyes popping out of his head, looking like he's about to heave. Like. It is incredible. All the colour drains from yeah, his body. Yeah, it goes grey. He, like, he, it's a slow like shake that becomes an all-over spasm yeah. after a while. And I was laughing so much at this, of Regal coming out and being like, that I missed that Rikishi came out and he gave him the business and he banged him on the stairs. <laughs> so when I looked up from my fits of laughter... There was William Regal, still quivering from the stink face, covered in blood. He's like, got colour. How fucking big is this man's ass, Adam? Jesus Christ. He had a blade in that yeah, ass. concealed, <laughs> sharp blade in there. He cut the man. And you wouldn't mind, it's a gusher. It's, it's, he way overdid it for the opening match of a B-show. Regal's there, having just had a bum rubbed in his face, covered in blood. What are you thinking, mate? And here I was thinking that's a safe fucking move to be taken absolutely not i thought that was silly and stupid and totally unnecessary until the next portion of the match where we get blood mode william regal oh he only got that you know there are some wrestling games where you can customize a stat where it's like if your guy gets busted open he'll go ham all of a sudden that's what happens to william regal here he stiffs the fuck out of rikishi and he does his stuff he posts him in the corner yeah and he gets that like the way they it's kind of slow and cumbersome 
But that regal cutter, the way that Rikishi sells, just his arm being kind of chicken winged over, yeah, and being you know kind of put in that cobra clutch position, he's wincing so much. It's like okay, this fucking sucks, and he drops him right on mm. the shoulder. It's like. I'm not the guy who's going to be like thinking like William Regal and be like, at home, put your hand there on the exterior tendon. Yeah. You know, as much as my semester and a half of physiology gets me, I'll think about it. But I was conscious of the shoulder, how it was being contorted and then being slammed down. I was like, I bought it as a finish. Yes. Even though Rikishi didn't take a lot in the match. But it was only three or four minutes long, this yeah. one. It, they packed so much good stuff into this tiny little match. Like. So William Regal picks up the win. We see a more violent side of him that we'll see out throughout, I guess, That's it. This in is the invasion. real yeah. glimpse of like, oh shit, we actually took it too far. Regal's bleeding and now he's pissed. Like We've not seen him get this vicious. And it falls upon Paul E. Dangerously to put a little bow on this scene. I think the man deserves it, JR. His tights are too small. Uh, and JR's like, what? And he goes, I, what I said, JR, his, his tights are too damn small. Look at the replay. You think a man should be coming in here wearing, wearing tights that small? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Great start to the show, though. Fantastic. Very good opener. Backstage, Egg and Crispin talking T3. And no, I don't mean the rise of the machines. I'm talking about <laughs> tag team turmoil, which is coming down later on tonight. We got all the tag teams in the WWF are going to be going for a shot of the two-man power trip and their coveted tag team gold. And we're at the beginnings of Edgy Christian. I think a little bit of a face turn was was hundred percent sprinkled in this. That's it. They're still being these two annoying cunts backstage. Like, yeah, we're totally going to win the tag team turmoil. But then Kurt comes in, and Kurt's saying, "I've got this two out of three falls match with Benoit. If." somehow it goes to the third fall. And it won't. And it won't. <laughs> but if it did, that's a ladder match. Have you guys got any tips for me about ladder matches? And I'm expecting like some goofy kind of like, oh, here's what you, you want to pull the guy's tights down or some sort of chicanery. And they're literally just like, no, you got to just go out there and like, do your best. It's going to hurt like hell falling off a ladder. But... Yeah, Christian goes, falling off sucks. I mean, like that's but the best he can offer. The like... way they're talking is they're very casual and blasé. Like, oh yeah, we've won three of these matches. Like, It made them seem tough. It, without, it did. Without them being like, kid, let me tell you about the yeah. fucking ladder match. You know, The, the proper, fact that they yeah. don't sweat a ladder match anymore. They're these two little piss ants that are always cowardly. But when it comes to ladder matches, they're like, oh yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we, we've won loads of those. They're really easy. Like, And that's why I always kind of feel like, you know, a lot of people I remember at the time were complaining that, you know, this is, you know, we've got a ladder match here tonight. You had a ladder match, you know, a lot of ladder matches in a 12-month period, let's say yeah. 2001. And I believe 2001 is the period when ladder matches went from being a, like like a hell in the cell type of a thing to like... End of feud. Yeah, to like, you know, end of the month type yeah. of a thing. And you know, we have a, a whole shit ton of those. But I always felt that the matches themselves still spoke volumes about the wrestlers. Because I think Edge and Christian are a perfect example against their character you have this notion in their head of who they are mm -hmm. but just because they've been in those matches have you seen those matches yes if you have you know exactly what these guys are on about mm -hmm. here and there's very little explaining they need to do but they roll their eyes ever so slightly at Kurt Angle and that's the beginning of it there yep. they're just a little bit sick of Kurt's constant need for reassurance that's it it's always him running to them for help they never actually call on him for anything who shows up next it's only the preeminent power couple in the WWF it's Steph and Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Steph is dressing for the primary debates for the Republican yeah, party here in Connecticut I'm not gonna lie Adam when we go into 2001 peak what the hell is this Steph and Triple H 
I was a little bit disappointed from the borderline Linda McMahon outfit That's there. That's it. She's dressing way too much like her mum here. It's very fucking sad and true. Stephanie, and you'll know this at home if you got it, Stephanie is cosplaying the free Vince he got with the Titan Tron <laughs> with your action figures. He put the foot on them and it did the You're theme song. You're talking about Michael from GTA 5, aren't you? Yes! <laughs> that fucking stone grey suit. Didn't like it whatsoever. Triple H comes in smiling and um, the best way I can describe it is his smile disappears upon contact with reality because mm. he's there with his wife being like, yeah, two belts. And then I was like, oh, hey, Hunter. And he's like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> he's not really happy. No. I think I was maybe reading into a little bit much, but I thought had the man not had a very bad injury the next night on Raw, which sees him off until January 2002, I'd be thinking they're sprinkling in those seeds a day about Triple H. Maybe he's going to be the next guy to turn. Oh. 100% that's what I think was planning here. Like, two-man power trip is clearly a short-term thing because they've had, like, their disagreements and stuff a few times on yeah. telly. This was definitely meant hey, to be... Hey, this guy tried to kill me. Yeah, I just remembered hey! that was you. I think that they were definitely planning to, like, maybe King of the Ring or SummerSlam by yeah. then it broke up and Triple H would be... You can't flip Austin back again, so it would be Triple H being For the sure, big baby yeah. face into the invasion then as well god almighty it's so funny to think like how different two th- there's like 20 mm-hmm. different ways 2001 could have went you and know? just think how different all the triple h documentaries would be if we didn't have the 20 minutes of him like <laughs> and i overcame the rehab record time actually here's that footage of me lifting my leg again one more goddamn time I, all right look if you overcome an injury and you come back as in the shape that he did to have the career that he did that's amazing but i just do need to point out as well for all the triple h fans keep a score at home that he was meant to be back by November and he didn't come back until January. Oh, I didn't know that. So it was actually not quite, you know. Wow. And he never shuts the fuck up about that I mean, that he's, uh, just say, he's no John Cena, is he? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. John Cena. He's no Cody Rhodes. He was John Cena back in two weeks. Uh, Cody Rhodes, where they won't even tell him how long he's due back by because they're so concerned of how he'll defy the odds. <laughs> Triple H. Eh, whatever's good with you, champ. Yeah. You know, just saying, just saying. So Vince wants to know what's going on because he's been busy, obviously, you know, at bankruptcy court. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> he just bought ECW out of embarrassment because XFL, he was there. Oh, no, I'm not here to sell XFL. I'm here to buy ECW, actually. <laughs> but uh, he's like, what's going on, guys? You're getting messed up with people's marriages. You're working with The Undertaker now. He's he's, he's meant to be down-to-earth Vince here. Yeah. Wondering why they're pretending to have information about Undertaker's wife being maimed. That's it. And for the people that haven't been following us with, uh, on The Crawl, last week, The Undertaker's wife, Sarah, was allegedly in a horrible car oh, accident. Oh, worst fucking Smackdown story so bad. ever. And all throughout the episode, it's like, oh, wait, hang on, it was a hoax. Oh. It was a hoax. Who could have possibly... What sicko? Who's sick enough? What Who's freak? Cold enough. Stone yeah. cold enough. What even. kind of a snake? Some sort of a rattling snake would be so bionic and such a redneck <laughs> that he would do well, something. I'm sick starting of to this. think I can't even trust anybody. No, at this don't way. trust I'm... anybody. What kind of a hundred percent badass what? would do something this? <laughs> what? <laughs> Look, you could say it was almost stone cold, and it turns out. It was me all along. What's the matter? You stunned like me. <laughs> Stunning Steve Austin. What sort of a master of the ring would concoct such a scheme? 
But so look, yeah. That's it, what Vince is upset about. He's here. upset by how shit their plot you went, was. You went too far. You messed with the, the sanctity of marriage. I think it was too shit, guys. It was really boring. You really gotta do better than that. If you're gonna do a reveal, have a robe on or have something. Have you seen the ratings, pal? Come on. <laughs> They're fucking, they've lost all the WCW audience and a good portion of their own as well. Yeah. Good stuff for there, guys. But uh, I did like Vince bringing up the sanctity of marriage. You yes. don't mess around with it. And Triple H kills the humor goes, weren't you the guy who put his wife in a sanitarium? Eight weeks ago, man. You were wheeling around in the wheelchair. I know, that was my own wife. That's, That's very said. different. Uh... You went after the Undertaker's wife. My wife is my property. A couple of times this happens tonight. I want to bring it up to you in case it was only me. Who's the slad in the match card graphic beside Chris Benoit? This fucking stud with the five o'clock shadow and the big arms and the folded up. I didn't see this. Kurt Angle looks nothing like him here. <laughs> he honestly looks like a default crate wrestler. This fucking, <laughs> they took this picture down in Memphis or something like that. But yeah, two or three falls. Here it is. You fucking better deliver now, you freaks. Yeah. Because like it's been a long time coming. Yeah, honestly, it's... Oh, one of the biggest illuminating disappointments of this whole period has been sort of like at WrestleMania 17 it was like oh man Benoit and Angle what a match and it's just the beginning folks it's going to get so much better and then Jesus it's been rough going and I'm really worried now that like we're going to get cross streams here because there's a contingent of people out there who feel that they're going to absorb and digest Chris Benoit's legacy and standing in the world by taking a position that he was never a good wrestler and everything mm. he's ever wrestled has always been terrible nah. and all that. And I don't want anyone to think, oh, we're pissed on these matches that everyone remembers as being great. No, legitimately, even if you think that Chris Benoit for some reason should be in the Hall of Fame, yeah. honestly go back and watch his match with fucking Kurt Angle at Insurrection. It ain't all that, folks. No. And the ultimate submission match no. ain't all that either. And I don't even know... You see, I... I it's because they're disappointing. That's you know? it. I agree with that. I don't know if they are bad matches per se, but they are capable of so much better than what those matches were. Is it a reflection of how low the standard of actual in-ring, like, proper wrestling was in WWF at the time? Maybe. That as kids, we were like, whoa, they did submissions. Best yeah. match ever, OMG. But by modern standards... You know, depending, even regardless of your opinion on a fucking double murderer, yeah, uh, yeah these matches have to live up to the hype. So, yeah. with all that being said, I was not excited for this one at all. Two out of three falls, couldn't give two shits about it going into it. I was excited just because, if anything can spice this up a little bit, this is. They say two out of three falls, but it is three stages of hell, basically. Yeah. Pinfall in the first round, submission in the second round, and then ladder match in the third round. And JR even tells us, and if it comes to the third one, the medals will be hung up on a pole. I should say at the top of a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> they obviously went around back and forth in the office with that one. Like, yeah, seriously. You, know? you put up too many poles in 2001, Vince Russo will just show up at the show though, lads. <laughs> so it's probably good going with the ladder. It is amazing to me though, how much in our minds as kids, this feud was about WWF showing you what they cared about now was actual wrestling mm. and technical ability and catch as catch can. Look at these guys. These guys are wrestling for real, basically. And when you watch this video package, it's really about one thing that kept this going. Vince McMahon likes the idea of these medals being put in Chris Benoit's trousers. Yes. Specifically near his dick. Yeah. And every fucking time Benoit does it, wait. It's meant to be a funny moment. He's rubbing his nipples at him. He opens his tights really slowly like, you know what's down there, don't you? Yeah. That's my dick in there. I'm going to put my medals slowly in here it's really fucking creepy it's like gold dust is doing it don't or like it i don't like like i amazed that they found a new way for me not to like chris benoit i'll tell you what i don't like is benoit sat having a meal in wwf new york holding the medals no! with all of his fucking genital germs all over. oh that's gotta be tangy cool <laughs> so yeah like this recap package is not talking about 
Two of the best wrestlers in the world. Nope. The guy who's lauded himself as the best technical wrestler of all time versus a man who's legitimately won a gold medal for amateur wrestling. No, it's about get those medals out of your dick, you freak. Yeah. I don't, like, when they're mentioning, like, kind of, oh, we're going to hang the medals up, crowd didn't pop for it. No. You know, the crowd weren't, like, excited by the ladder match or they weren't excited by the stipulation of the medals. I think that genuinely it's such a foregone conclusion. Obviously, Kurt Angles are going to get his medals back. It's his fucking gimmick. Like, do you seriously expect me to believe that, like, from this point onwards, Chris Benoit is going to come out wearing medals for the rest of his career? I'm now? a gold medalist. No, obviously, Angles going to win this back. Like. Right. I know it's a shitty video package, but I'm obsessed with certain sound effects. You know, mm. obviously, you talk about it on this Raw or Kitchen Nightmares review show. I like sound effects used in, in reality TV, mm-hmm. wrestling recap packages. There's mm. a certain few of them that I have a lot of time for and when Benoit says a safe and warm place and he puts them down there they play this sound effect I'm gonna keep these medals in a very safe and warm place how humiliating is that for Kurt Angle those gold medals of Kurt Angle's life oh that one as in I Bury the Undertaker. So this man's medals going near that dick is given the same fucking sanctity of sound effect as the Undertaker being buried by his own brother alive, (laughs) thus killing him. Fantastic. Now, don't you two lads put on a shit match like the last two. Ah, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Come on now. Let's let's straighten up our laces here and actually work hard. 4-1, pins only. I like this idea. That's me too. Pins only in a match with two guys who are grappling. Mm-hmm. I was expecting that maybe we would get kind of like just a non-stop sequence of them kind of pinning one, combo. One, two, one, two, yeah. But instead it was kind of like them stealing each other's signature spots, I yes. guess. It only lasted a minute, the first it fall? It was super quick. Benoit hits his own angle slam onto Kurt and immediately picks up the one, two, three. Yeah, so you know, Kurt was doing like you know the, the high angle suplexes, which I guess you know, at the start I was just like, oh, he's doing, you know, he's just doing the role of Germans. That's what Kurt always does. Yeah, it's his thing. But that was actually Benoit's thing at this yes. point. And because Kurt went for the diving headbutt, it was meant to be Kurt is stealing his stuff. I thought that was a nice way to do it because I don't think Vincent Mann was going to let them go out there and do a Matt Classic. No, you no. know. But, you know, straight away, we've got Chris Benoit winning fall number one. And the decision to play his music at the end of the fall, I thought was an awful call. Yeah. It's all, it wrecks the flow. Really jarring. And I think it confuses the crowd as well. Benoit was like, like, he was like, all right, I'm done. Like, you can see his, (laughs) his, the machine in his head powering down. Like, he's like, all right, I'm done. Like, big deep breaths. I tell you, another confusing decision as well is putting them fucking tights on Chris Benoit. Those are awful. Like, plain black with Wolverine written in silver on the sides. Pick a fucking name and stick with it. Cheap. I did like when we get into Fall 2 that we got went straight into the crossface. Yes. So you think, all right, submissions only. Away. Yeah. You know, we could win them two straight, straight falls really, really quickly. There is a fan in the. Oh, f- you know him. Oh, this fucker. Woo! A match involving Benoit and or Angle. So it has been one fall to none here. In this two out of three fall match. We are in the second fall. The whole way through this brawl. This lad with the double fucking... The double... Doing the four. The four horsemen. The four. And look, you can go watch WrestleMania 25, folks. And you can keep your eyes peeled for the top left-hand corner on the hard cam. And there's young Kevin with the fucking... Go, whoa! I just watched a documentary about the horsemen. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the only hand symbol 
I can do. That was 2008. That was my excuse. This is 2001. Yeah. Your fucking show's over, mate. Yeah, that's it. He's just like tagged along like, well, I guess there's nothing left for me to go and watch now. I'll check out this WWF business instead. I swear to God, if you did woo one more time, Flair's ages would have been in for fear that it would somehow interfere with his no compete clause <laughs> from Time Warner. And no business being in the front row. And it took me out of this match. Yeah. I used to be the person who cared about you know, fans making noise. I would never pay attention to it. Oh, but when it's this obnoxious and over and over again, and he comes back later on in the show as well. Like, Does he? Yeah, yeah. This is the same as the guy in the Royal rumble crowd that was like making a big fucking show of himself as well like it was so distracting only one person's allowed to do this and that's michael clark duncan yes he's no longer with us because mm-hmm. he died doing what he loved ruining the main event of <laughs> wrestlemania 2000 <laughs> crotching they do outside here mm. I, I, you know I, i'm not a, keeping an eye out for a great crotching but benoit gets the big fucking backdrop and kurt just fucks some dick first yeah. into the pole Good lord mm. almighty. Massive knob on Kurt Angle tonight as well. I yeah. Say. <laughs> like, it, it, he's packing heat yeah. there. I don't know if he's feeling insecure about it. Because it's been so focused on Benoit's package this whole feud has. That Kurt's maybe like, oh, okay, I need to... Maybe I'm going to loosen up this jock and show off a little more here. What like. I think it is is that because the fake medals are being hung above the ring, Kurt's got the actual Olympic medal. As you know, it's a lot chunkier. He'll mm. bring it out for the Angle Open Challenge in 05 and 06. I think that's what he's got down there. Right, okay. As the backup, as if Benoit wins, he'll be like, ah! This is the real one. Ah! It's covered in my dick germs. <laughs> They brought outside and then back into the ring for some serious grappling. And this is something you rarely saw back in the day, which is guys going for submissions that are not their finishers. I love this. Very cool. Benoit does the Walls of Jericho, which is such a good little tease. I like that. It's very clever. Because I think you and I were shocked how little they have actually interacted and been like, hey, these guys are going to team up. It's been a little bit, maybe here and there. They've made the save for each other like once or twice, but they've never made a big deal out of it. It's always been like, oh, these guys have got their own feuds and they've crossed over a little bit bit here but there's been very little talk about the idea of the two chris's being pals well that's the reason why they've very much not been going full force with it is because the idea is still got an asterisk beside it whether they're going to go ahead with it mm. and the man who's pushing for this is paul Heyman, who really thinks that you need to make some more stars right now yes. and you can't just keep putting like i mean compare and contrast what happens with jericho and benoit against the two-man power trip against the Hardy Boys versus the two-man yes, power trip. that's it. And Jeff got a belt in that feud as well, but it did nothing. Like, the Hardy Boys are further than the card now than they were when they interacted with those two lads. I agree with Heyman because I love the pairing and I love the team. I think they're a very good tag team. But if your intention is to make big stars, these guys are already stars. Yeah. And putting them in a tag team together is only going to hamper them because you can't really ascend to main event status when you're tagging like. uh, yeah it's difficult isn't it because yeah. I mean we're in a rare situation where I mean no the time of the attitude Era do I feel like the main eventers are the tag champs no. for a stretch it's like. single stars like there's a great spot here I love this where Kurt's in the figure four yes the standard thing I flip over mm-hmm. to reverse the figure four to reverse the pressure yep. but he's still in an awkward angle so what he has to do to get to the ropes is he has to turn over again yep. and put himself in even more pain yep. to stop the break roll through the momentum that was like. so good very very I good I love that really really made me think about like submission holes and ring awareness and stuff mm-hmm. like that you know I thought they were doing something a little bit higher IQ than you were seeing on WWF TV at yes. the time you know we have Kurt's leg being worked over. He is hurt. He is not able to put the full pressure on it. He manages the angle slam and he gets that ankle lock in. And just as you think that Benoit is going to get out, he gives, he taps. I think they were trying to go for that 
oh, there's no shame in tapping straight away like it's MMA or whatever. Yeah. But I think the fans were shocked that Benoit gave it up as quickly as he did. It's weird to see him tap, but yeah, I think the story is that like he's going to have to climb a ladder and you don't want to have a broken ankle to do that. So it's like it makes more sense to just lose the fall and tap. So Kurt's music plays. Yeah. And he's, I like these music's playing. He's there in the corner putting the boots to Benoit and, and JR's like, come on, there's another fall in the start here. Yeah. And then the referee's like, I actually need to hang the medals now, guys. Got so, a job to do. So Kurt and Chris just kind of go, oh, okay, they just kind of go outside yeah. and stand there. Yeah, just check my phone. Oh, text. I will say I appreciated the angle won with the ankle lock there because as soon as Benoit won with the angle slam in 4-1, I was like, oh, fucking angle's going to put the cross face on yeah, him and get yeah, a tap. Yeah. But I liked that it's sort of like, Benoit could use Angle's move against him, but Angle has to use everything in his arsenal. Yes. He, he can't do the crossface on Benoit. Like Chris Benoit, by all accounts, looks bent. And his mm. night is just beginning. Yeah, I know. Like I, I spoiler alert, don't... folks. Chris is back out again later. Like, and you know, the next night he's going to be wrestling one of the fucking matches of his life. You know, yeah. like, he, there's something in me, and I think Benoit is the poster child for this. And I felt that WWE always fall back into this, whether it's Seth Rollins or Brian Danielson or whoever, John Moxley, is, Moxley, whoever is the fucker who decides, yeah, I'll be the guy, whatever. Where they'll just run you into the That's fucking it. ground. They, they're very good at identifying, like, oh, this guy loves the business and he actually really wants to prove himself. The likes of CM Punk as well. Someone that feels like, okay, if you're going to give me the belt, I need to prove that I'm championship material. So, yeah, book me in fucking five matches in one day or whatever. And like. every one of those guys has got one of those fucking heartbreaking stories. You have seen Renee's podcast with Moxie mm. from 2022. Check it out because there's a man who was just fucking working hurt. And I was saying he's yep. doing it for the love of it. Nah. I think there's a point where he was doing it because he knew he had to do it. Yes. You know, and I just think that multiple times a night, on the rarest of occasions, mm-hmm. should that be allowed? Because I just think it's fucked. Yeah, you know? it is. It's it, really, it, really unfair and unnecessary. There's so little to gain from being like, oh, this guy's going to wrestle three times. Like, cool. That's going to make the show less interesting for me as a viewer. Like, cheeky little plug for the London Podcast Festival, which get your tickets now because yep. I think as the time of this being released, they may already be sold out. They're slipping away. But, like, doing double duty on that is one of the hardest things I can think of doing because mm. it's like doing it, doing a show. I'm not saying that just the show itself is long and exhausting, but it's doing it and mentally being like that is over now yep and you, you get, can't stop your head and your body going through that transition you, you know get the nerves and for me at least you get the nerves and the sort of sickly feeling beforehand and then the huge adrenaline rush of doing it and then afterwards i like fucking go all shaky because i was yeah. like so worn out i only do one show a year uh, but going podcast, back out to like, do the second time i have to it. go i have to do some fucking mindfulness to kind of mm. not be fucking just you know explode into you know too much energy and then mm. burn myself out and there's not a single physical element to that whatsoever. Nah. And I'm doing it for way less uh, time than anyone would be doing here if they're asked to go. Like, just that makes me think asking someone to wrestle and put their body on the line for you to make money for you is one thing. Mm. Ask them to do it twice. Yeah. Like, I just, you know, think twice. But fucking hell, think 10 times about that. Yeah. Because it's, it's a hard thing physically and emotionally, mentally to do to someone. And like you say, doing it every now and then is one thing. But when it's someone like Benoit or Brian or John Moxley or whatever, who are like, this is part of your job. You're going to have to do this like two house shows a day or whatever. And like, I mean, look, Kurt and Benoit are two lads here where you don't expect them to do the high flying ladder stuff. And mm. yet in the third fall, they start going out and trying to innovate and doing spots involved in the ladder. Yeah. And 
There is a jankiness to this portion of the match, I think, is the jankiest part of the three falls. It is. It's actually the, the worst bit of the match, because those first two falls were very excellent, I thought. Like, it's some really fun stuff. Them having to put ladders in the corner, yeah. trying to move into position. They're not there all the time, and I yeah. think it's like, this is the third fall. It's even harder. They're doing stuff with props. They got that red ladder that is... Oh, that shoot ladder. That is a shoot ladder. Yeah. When you're climbing that ladder, you're fucking climbing that yeah. thing, baby. Let me tell you right now. That's a real-ass ladder right there there but like, there's a bit where like kurt sets up the ladder in the corner benoit throws him into it and kurt tries to do like the old benjamin spot you know running up the ladder yeah but he like fucking smacks into the ladder and is like yeah. and starts crawling up as like dude what are you guys doing it looks sore as fuck. It, looks, it looks like shit and it probably hurts way worse than it looks yeah so i thought that was a very strange position to put them in here Benoit takes the ladder in the corner. He gets snap suplexed onto it as well. Kurt has the ladder put on him as Benoit climbs. And yep. then Benoit, you think, all right, he's going to guillotine himself on the on the ropes. Nice, safe little landing yep. here. He jumps as high, He jumps higher than the fucking medals. Yeah. Slams himself right. as hard as possible on the ropes. No need for that whatsoever. What like. the fuck is that man's mindset? Mm. You know, I guess we'll never fucking know I when mean, it was, but Jesus Christ. Pro- proving himself. He's clearly a guy that wants to prove himself. And I think this is a period of time here where it's like, there is a glaring hole at the top of that card there. Like, yeah, I'll do fucking double duty and I'll fucking work my ass off in both matches if I can even get a shot at being in that spot. Two months time, the lad's out for over a year. Yep. Adam, with a broken gone. fucking neck. Literally gone. You know? Won't be in the invasion. Because like. he'll be fucking diving off through a table mm-hmm. in another spot fest match at TLC on yeah. free TV. On telly. You know? Yeah. Don't tell me that they weren't taking liberties beyond, above and beyond at this yeah. point in time. Taking you know? advantage of his like desire to do this stuff. We get the cross face onto Kurt who taps. Mm-hmm. I think that was again just to show you keep his heat alive a little bit. Edge and Christian come out. There again, bit of a swerve because I was like, no way, these guys are going to come out and help Kurt after what happened earlier. Mm-hmm. And JR just like, oh, these two they come in they just kind of brawl lightly with Benoit nothing horrible horrible they distract him and Kurt climbs up Kurt doesn't even pay attention to Edge and Christian and he's there celebrating like he's won the whole damn thing himself I love it as well it's I think we've had this before in Benoit ladder matches where the finish is timed beautifully Benoit makes it back in the ring and he's just about to knock the ladder over as Kurt is pulling the medals down like he was split seconds away from stopping him I think on paper and watching it back as well, this is probably the best match of these guys in the series they have in 2001. That being said, I'm thinking here going, did this need to be three stages of hell? Mm. Probably not. No. You know, because the best match these guys ever had, I think, happens a few years later when Curry's is champion on SmackDown and it's just a straight up match. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's not as good as the WrestleMania 17 match, I don't think. But I think that the great benefit of this match, because we've had like another one-on-one match, we've had another fucking, we've had the ultimate submission. I think the three stages of hell thing actually did really benefit this match. It made me feel less crazy for thinking that as a kid that these lads had good matches at least. I liked the pinfall only gimmick. I liked the submission only gimmick. The ladder was clunky. Maybe we could have tried something different for the third fall. Perhaps it wouldn't have to have been a ladder match. Something else, just like no DQ or whatever. a cage match or something. Something else. Yeah. But I think it being a three stages of hell actually did really help revitalize this feud that I was a little sick of. Yeah, and I think they did a great job making Kurt seem he's like, he's a threat, he's next level, he's come out of this angle with his medals back and we're setting up him and Shane next. Yes. And I think this is the beginning of Kurt's best run, I think, at this point Absolutely, yeah. And I think 
you know, when we're talking in season three about how, oh, isn't, isn't great how Kurtz is this like wrestling machine that we mm-hmm. see, we never get to cheer for him. I think he upped his in-ring game during this period and it kind of happened quite subtly because most of us were going, oh, he's not in the main event at the moment. He's not challenging for the belt. Mm-hmm. It's less than. And I think it's in those moments where you think a guy is losing momentum that very often they fine-tune those skills that make yeah. them even better later on and, down the line. And Benoit is obviously a hell of a dance partner for that. Like, you know, iron sharpens iron. And as, as much as we've been a little disappointed with this feud on the whole, it was obviously worth them doing this to get to the point that we're at now. Like, Well, even the lad who in this match was being a lot safer and probably had a lot more long-term view of his health, Kurt Angle, mm. you know, he's in a bad way I in terms of pain and... He's another one of those guys then who's quickly filling that spot of multiple times a night, long well, yeah. matches. Literally next month, like he's going to have three matches on that show, one of which is a fucking bloodfest street fight covered in glass. Backstage, William Regal being stitched up. <laughs> Again. Did you see the size of his bodacious <laughs> bum? He had it right in my bloody face. Opening match with Rikishi and he's got like a plastic surgeon here closing his head. Like, Jesus Christ. Am I going to have a bloody scar after this? <laughs> In comes Mean Mark. I want justice, boy. He's got a big plug of dip in his mouth. Yep. Tobacco maybe wacko if you're a teen who are sponsoring this pay-per-view and yep. at the time, but not if you're chewing. It's still pretty Oh, chewing, chewing it's fine. fine. You man. get all the health benefits and none of the risks from chewing it. Like. Spit it out. It's like those old diets from the 1800s where like, just chew your food 80 times and simply <laughs> spit it out. Chew your tobacco for health. He wants no DQ, no hose barge. Yep. And Regal pretty much is like, yeah, all right. Well, he does resist. Yeah, because the Taker's like, I'm going to sit your damn throat, boy. Basically, yeah. I'm going to kill you my damn self. Undertaker has to threaten to kill him, and then Regal's like, fine, fine, but oh, I just don't want to have to bloody tell Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's why he's resisting. He doesn't want to have to break it to Steve. He's scared of him. He is. Rightfully so. He's a fucking... What if Steve goes after Regal's wife and does a prank on her? Like, (laughs) He'll do a prank on Tajiri next. Nothing is sacred. I think it's the next night Tajiri debuts. Yes. Fantastic. WWF New York. Some fucking blonde lad with long... I've never seen this guy before. It's Jerry fucking Lynn. Who? The whole... Fucking show! Yeah, Jerry Lynn, baby! WWF Light Heavyweight Champion, Jerry Lynn. And Jerry, I'm sure you would, as great as it is to be in WWF New York, you'd rather be here in Sacramento on Judgment Day competing and defending your title. That's right, JR. First of all, I'd like to thank everyone for this opportunity to speak to the rest of the world live from New York City! But common sense brings to my mind one thing, but apparently no one else, that this light heavyweight title should be defended at that pay-per-view. That I, Jerry Lynn, the light heavyweight champion, should be at Judgment Day defending this title. God knows I've worked all my life to become the WWF light heavyweight champion. And what do I get for my efforts? I get to talk. Well, big whoopity do! I hope I earned my keep today. How was that, JR? Was my interview okay for you, JR? Huh? Am I a good enough champ for you, JR? Yeah, JR, is he? JR got to do with it. I guarantee you one thing. If I was there, I'd give a whole new meaning to the words, Judgment Day. If you don't believe me, just watch me. 
That was pretty cool, huh? Look, I might fail with Joe making her think why Jerry Lynn is great, but you'll have a go, right? Jerry Lynn. What's your deal, man? Rings a, <laughs> rings a bell. No, not Crowbar. No, no, no not him. No. Different guy. And, oh, you're not going to believe it, Kevin. He's pissed off. Because he's not booked tonight, baby. I love this. This is like a, such a trope in like summer 2001. The disgruntled lad on the roster, genuinely fearing for his life as 17 new lads are coming in with t-shirts, yep. getting signed to similar deals to you. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Lynn's here in WF New York to be like, I'm here in WF New York and it makes me fucking sick. And the fans are like, This is so cringe. He says, I've worked all my life to become WWF light heavyweight champion. Uh, (laughs) Did you? I mean, I thought it was one of the better Jerry Lynn promos I've ever seen in my life. Really? Because he's not a promo guy. Right. You know, and he's not like... Clearly. He's not like Lance Storm where it's like, oh, he's not a promo guy, but he's got a great gimmick to kind of compensate with that. It's like, Jerry Lynn didn't do talking. Like, he just did his shit and the fans rallied behind him in ECW. That was kind of it. And I thought, given that he has an awful fucking task ahead of him where it's like I don't want to be here this Mm -hmm. is beneath me I should be defending this belt on that show I thought he did it confidently and he, I like, I like his things where he's like, "Is that good enough talk for oh, Jr?" No, so cringe. Jr, am I, am I good enough? Am I going to? Was that a good enough promo? And I hope I didn't shoot you a little too hard. If you know what I'm saying, yeah, I'm breaking kayfabe. Something we put Jerry on a, on heat next week. Yeah, yeah. literally. Sa Rios is ready. We will put the belt back yeah. on him. You fucking blew it, mate. Jerry Lynn, the ECW alumnus who wasn't over enough to get put in the fucking alliance. Yeah. Seriously, think about what that says. And I I met Jerry Lynn and he was the nicest smelling wrestler that I met outside of Nick Bockwinkle. Yeah. Okay. I'll start to shoot, folks. Okay. Respect. Respect for that. And I respect him. He's one of my all time faves. I always carried a flag for Jerry Lynn in my heart. His comeback in Ring of Honor in 08 when he won the world title, it brought tears to my eyes. Right. And it always hurts me when you and Joe and whoever I show his matches to don't see what the big fucking deal is. So I say this with all due respect. What have you done with your opportunity, Jerry Lynn? <laughs> nothing. You are nothing. You're fired. Honestly, that would be a kindness at this point. It would point. be a co- Just let him go. Please, just let just him go. Let him go to the WWA, please. Andrew McManus has got a big bag of money. That's it. He'll pay him handsomely. Jerry Lynn looks like one of the lads to be given a bag of money to That's anyway. It. He's kind of got a bikerish and heavy he'll, metal feeling. He'll go and see the opera house. He'll spend lots of time in the sun. It'll be great for him. Just don't keep him here. I've got a 15-minute main event with you and Brian Christopher in fucking Newcastle. <laughs> It'll be the easiest 10 grand you'll ever make in your life. You'll go for a promo afterwards. Don't be here. I guarantee you the food you get in Newcastle on the WWE stretch is better than what you'll have in the New York. better than that fucking slime they're going to feed you there. Absolutely. It's time for Caption Day, everyone's favourite day of the year, where Adam and I read out your captions for the picture du jour. Hey Adam, how's it going? It's good, thanks. Yeah, this is the one time of year where we read out your captions, folks. I hope everyone's excited. Yeah, we've uh, only once a year, so make sure you get them in early next year. You'll have your chance next time. If you've not made it here, I can only apologise to you. Today's caption contest is sponsored by the old Pod Crabs Live doubleheader happening at the London Podcast Festival September 17th. Come see How To Wrestling Live talking about the world of celebrities in wrestling at 2 p.m. And then myself, Adam and Billy with Attitude Podcast presents Unsolved Mysteries. We're going to solve every single mystery in the history of wrestling. 
be warned though, as of time of record, there are roughly seven tickets left. Ooh. So if you want to come and spend £9.50 and see a bit of a live show, the first one we've done in over two and a bit years, get yourself onto kingsplace.co.uk where you can find all the information. Tickets are available now. There are links on all of our social channels. And Adam, I can't wait to see the fans in London. It's going to be such a fabulous time. We're all obviously big fans of the Podcrabs Network. We're going to be there as well. I can't wait to see the How To and AE Podcast boys all getting together and putting on a hell of a show. And I've heard rumblings, Kevin. There's going to be a little hangout slash Q&A after the shows as well. Yes, there is going to be a Q&A of the informal variety when we all just hang around and shoot the shit afterwards. And for me, an old man, the idea of the shows being on slightly earlier in the afternoon so you can have a little sleep or go have your dinner or whatever that's mm -hmm. fine by me hell yeah and kevin would i maybe possibly be able to get a photo with you after the show i think that can be arranged and unlike the world of wrestling that we cover we will not be charging for any such <laughs> there's gonna be no gimmick table is what i'm telling you basically we're just gonna have a hangout <laughs> Kevin's going to be handing out flyers where you can go and meet him upstairs in his hotel room and get a little sign. <laughs> yeah, and Adam and Billy are going to be walking around with the world championship on the show. Like, hey, you want to get a, a bell picture taken with the bell kid? You know, walking into, walking into five guys afterwards. Hey, you want to take a picture with the world championship, brother? You know? <laughs> Joe's there like, oh, I need to go and get some more film for my Polaroid. She fucked off. She already got their fucking money, man. <laughs> so September 17th, King's Place in London. The double header, how to live, edit your podcast live. If you've gotten your tickets, can't wait to see you there. If you've not gotten them already, your time is officially running out. <laughs> so, Adam, the picture du jour, uh, quite appropriate, the noise you just made. I believe that could be your <laughs> official entry into the caption contest. This is the iconic image of William Regal post stink face he's shuddering along with his eyes bulging out of his head his mouth curled into an upside down nike logo he looks absolutely <laughs> fucking mortified i mean in the loosest loosest interpretation of the phrase william regal is certainly doing his stuff here adam he most definitely is so i've got around 300 captions over here on facebook.com forward slash attitude era podcast fucking a and i've got nearly 200 here on twitter at ae podcast and it's not lost on me the fact that i keep having to read out the facebook comments even though facebook are the ones who put a big old jagged knife in my back turned it so slightly and then removed it vis-a-vis -vis boys picks i'll never <laughs> For forget <sake. laughs> i'll simply never forget billy keeble is in the pocket of mark zuckerberg is what this is you may as well just give up now you know you're all in the pocket of big keeble that's what's happening like <laughs> it's billy's metaverse we all just live in it <laughs> I don't want to hear your big mouth talk in his world, yeah? <laughs> okay, kicking us off here, we got Wrestling Referees Are Wizards, who has done a wonderful Photoshop job here. They photoshopped the image of William Regal into the monitor of the background, and who's there but Owen and the Bulldog going, I want to see William Regal get the stink face one more time. <laughs> you know what I always love about being reminded about the kind of I want to see the LOD get slopped bit mm. is that I'm pretty sure before and after that as was the style of the time in WWF 1997 Raw is War they were talking about killing people I'm gonna kill him I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. kill him Cas just casual as you like oh hi Bulldog I'm gonna kill Steve Austin oh hi I want to see the Legion of Doom get killed one more time <laughs> 
now we've had many, many variants and riffs on this theme mm. of recent alleged news that was uh, fun to see get disseminated, even though it wasn't officially allowed to be talked about. It's Dara Cashman here. Good grief. His Majesty Prince William likes what? For fuck's sake. Topical. Not that around. Yeah. Topical. I tell you what there's been a lot of on Twitter is like, Adam reacts, or Kevin reacts, or the whole podcast reacts to Billy Keeble winning another boy's picks. We've had hundreds of those. And I did see one as well where it's like, Adam specifically reacting to this thing that's going to happen in season five, this yep. other thing that's going to happen in season five. Yeah, Butts in the Seats podcast here, a preview of Biblops during many of the DX segments to come in the next season. <laughs> You're goddamn right it is. Goddamn season five alive, I cannot wait. We got Rob Pierce here. When you see someone stepping forward with their right foot. <laughs> no! Owen Davis here. Oh, Eugene, I've pierced me foot on a spike. Oh, it's interesting there because Craig Walker over here says, Tajiri, I've pierced me foot on a spike. <laughs> I'm not sure who's more of a Lin like figure. I gotta go with Tajiri, you know? Tajiri's yeah. got big Lin energy. He's doing a lot more than you realize. Eugene's more like Michael, I reckon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see Tajiri in a big coat now. <laughs> Brian Bradshaw here. Oh, jeez. You got the bloody stink lines and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love this one. This is, this is, if you've got, if you've ever got something to say, this is how you should say it. Uh -huh. Jesh Feet here. My feeling when there's no new AE podcast. Brackets. But all jokes aside, we all fucking love you lot. Never be afraid to delay when emergency occur. You always do stellar work that is much worth the wait. Much love, Jess. Oh, thank you, Jess. Very kind. Thank you. Rory Alexander here. Me when I smell a big smelly fart. Ha ha. Yes! <laughs> Ow! Somebody stop the damn podcast. Harry Green here. When your biscuit breaks off in your cup of tea, I absolutely agree with that sentence yep. right there. I don't know if you ever meet one of these psychopaths where it's like, oh, it's great because then there's a treat at the bottom of the no! mug. No! That's not a no. treat. That's just disappointing. Fucking, just a war crime waiting for you down there. Awful stuff. <laughs> Kyrie here put in over 5,000 hours into MS Paint, according to herself. And she Whoa, 5,000! Wonderfully photoshopped the image of William behind Undertaker and AJ in the <laughs> boneyard. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I'm going to take you down to the bloody boneyard and you'll be like you chapped up with a hatchet. <laughs> Derek McLeod here. When that miserable little toe rag, Billy Keeble, tries to tell you that Titanic was never number one at the bloody box office. <laughs> Isaac Leatherland here. The AE boys, after only one slice of a Chicago-style pizza that they claimed they could eat the whole thing. I've been getting a lot of flack from many people, but specifically really? Isaac here. Because we talked a big game on Boys Picks about how we could demolish a Chicago Town pizza. Fuck and yeah. A, a lot of folks, I mean, I said it right there, Chicago Town, that's the microwave pizzas here in the UK. A real Chicago-style pizza. We've had a lot of naysayers being like, nah, lads, you're underestimating just what a big Sorry. task that is. Sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm only brought out of fucking retirement here. All right? Do I have to talk up the fucking pizza credentials? Because according to Papa John's 
Godfather's back in Galway mm. and fucking Mizzoni's, I constitute a family, okay? That's, that's that's my pizza eating credentials right there. I had something called a fucking wagon wheel once for a dare, <laughs> and then two other times after that, on my own. No one even <laughs> saw us. An actual 32-inch pizza, and I tanned the fucking lot, and I dare anyone to say I couldn't eat some of your precious Chicago town-style pizza. I don't care... The diameter, where you put your sauce and your cheese, I'm eating this. I'm going to Chicago right fucking now and sort this mess out. Naysayers, how dare they? Oh man, you know what? New favourite Twitter account here. This is someone that's just sent in this one here. The, the, the caption is, One vote! As in referring to the fact that Boys Picks was decided by a simple one vote. But the account in question is at 4Bibolo. That is the campaign manager for Adam Bibolo. This ah, account, yes. they've got an A podcast style logo that says AB and pretty much a good 80% of their tweets, I'm going to say, are sticking up for me and campaigning ahead of time for the next boys picks in four to five years, whenever it is. Yeah, I was going to say there, if the campaign manager for Adam Bibolo, I've not interacted because I want to see the long game here. It's all well and good when you're all talking about wanting to overthrow Donald Trump the week after he's elected. Mm. But I'm talking about eight or nine years in the future, right? <laughs> That's where I think the season will end. What I'm saying here is, if you're in it for the long game, let's see what you got, yeah? That's what they're doing here. If I'm <laughs> Labour, then this fella is momentum, and they're, like, getting all the youth and the young people on social media on side so that by the time the next election does come round, there's going to be a whole flock of new voters. Let's just see how long this fever pitch will last, yeah? Ollie Broom. Kevin's parents, after entering the room at just the wrong moment of an Attitude Era episode of Raw. <laughs> all sorts. David Gray here. When I saw Triple H in that casket with a cane mask on himself, I thought, that really is an OMG moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I would kill to have the OMG sting to use for season five. When something <laughs> crazy happens. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Fowler, Willie Regal encapsulates everyone's reaction watching Ric Flair's last match. No! This fucker over here is trying to get me to watch it, and I am refusing. No, I've had too many nightmares since then to follow through on that, Adam, unfortunately. So you're, you're off scot-free there. And I tweeted about it. Everyone involved in that should be fucking ashamed of themselves. That was a nightmare. And then I had loads of people going, oh, you're going to put it forward for your next boy's picks, Kevin? I go, no, because I've said literally everything I could possibly say about it in that two tweets right there. <laughs> uh, you know what? I always feel like I gotta give some love for the people here out on the left field who are mm. just seeing what everyone else is doing and go, you know what? That's not for me. I'm gonna go to town on this. Joseph of Burns, my hat is off to you. When you think you're at the park feeding the ducks and you realize you've elbow dropped your nan to death. What? Little puzzler there for you. Have the, yeah. you know, think about that all week, all right? Think about That's that all week. I know I will be. A real thinker. <laughs> Josh Hibbert pictured St. Andrew McManus's face upon discovering his phone has been tapped. <laughs> <laughs> Troy Sortillon here. Good heavens, those are the nobliest knees I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, I feel that at some point the Adchair podcast needs to do a live commentary on a knobbly knees competition, you know? Oh, I thought you were going to say have a live knobbly knees competition because September 17th, the London Podcast Festival, baby. <laughs> 
We'll be getting our knees out and we no, want to no, see no, your no, nobliest. No. Don't misquote me. I said to you when I was reading out the copy that it would be, and I quote, a knees up. Nobly never <laughs> came into it. Never came into it. Oh boy, okay. I have now scrolled down to the section that says, show additional replies, including those that may contain offensive content. AKA the real captions. Oh no, that actually... I don't... <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not reading Nope. That. Nope. James zaps up when you find out that sets. Oh. refers to the monarchy. <laughs> <laughs> CJ Barrett here. William Regal actually trying some special English coffee. Little Smackdown Crawl <laughs> reference there from when William Regal got dipped recently. Adam, I think we need to do a little like video where you take us through how you make a special English coffee. You know, like, what, what What constitutes it? Is there Bovril in there? Many have speculated. You know what? For my birthday, as a special gag gift, my sister got me some coffee tea bags, and I can't help but feel like that's the way to go for an English coffee. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Fever Dream-esque, is what I'd say. Kyrie back again, double-dipping it here. Regal reacting to the hokey-cokey. You put your right leg in. No! Step forward with your left foot! And then he would do the hokey-cokey. Do the okey cokey for he's a jolly good fellow. He's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow, and no, no, no one could deny that. No one could deny him. And so say all of us. <laughs> Richard Gadbury here, Commissioner Regal in 2001, suddenly remembering the real man's man gimmick. Also, he just took a massive shit in the middle of the room. Fucking hell. Belt and braces, like. <laughs> yeah! Jesus. Dual wielding is what we call that, Richard. Yeah. Just in case the first one doesn't land, you've got to have a little backup there. The old one-two punch. Give me give me one to round us off, Adam. Mm. Send us home happy. Matt Tilbo here rounding us out. William Regal's face when he hears that Chris Jericho's offered to put the kettle on. <laughs> Don't boil the piss. Jesus Christ, <laughs> you got to steep the piss. That's all. It oh, my good <laughs> Lord almighty. Well, on that auspicious note, we're going to wrap up the caption contest for now. A little reminder that if you would like to secure a spot for advertising in Season 5 and the, no doubt, horrendous pictures that we'll be using alongside, if you've got a project, a podcast, a YouTube series, a product, a thing that you're passionate about and you want to get in front of our many listeners, we just passed 6 million all-time listens on the Adshare podcast. Fuck! Wow! That is a, frankly, ridiculous number of listens there. So if you want to... Get your stuff in front of our listeners and have myself and Adam read it out with all of our love and care. Head over to patreon.com forward slash a podcast or shoot us an email at it to your podcast at gmail.com subject caption contest. Adam, I think it's time to head on back down to the last remaining slice of missing 2001 WWF content. Fucking A, baby. Let's finish this piece of shit two-man power trip. <laughs> cool shot. A big man came backstage oh, here. Fuck yeah. Where is he? He looks like he's in a map for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 here. And he's got his chain. It looks like he's got tangled up in the chain because he's like, like shaking. Oh. Like he's trying to get it off him or something. He's allergic to chain. Oh. This is a, just, he's in a tunnel. 
shot from a low angle. This is oh, this is how you shoot Kane. Just mm. have him walk into the ring looking badass. All the build to his match tonight, all the way up to the, the chain match with Triple H, he's not said a peep. It's imagine Kane with a chain. That's yeah, it. That's it. Take has spoken on his behalf here and there, and it's cringy as you'd expect. But other than that, they're proving that Kane doesn't need to talk. He's way better when you have him be like this. Alright, I was really excited for this next one. Fuck yeah. This this had fucking my ears pricking and yep. I was getting preeminent goosebumps. Big, I was excited. Big meaty hardcore match right here. Triple threat hardcore championship match. Test, Rhino, and big hardcore Paul Weiss. Fuck yeah, baby. Gimme this. Look, I'm thinking you're going to give me a little bit of the special sauce I got at WrestleMania 17. Yep. Rhino, uh, you know, in these big match situations, at least big match for him on the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. Him and Raven pull a rabbit out of the hat of Backlash. I thought it was the best match on the whole damn card. Yeah. Again, for folks that haven't been following us on Crawl, Rhino has been very much, like, positioned as... He's one of these ECW losers yeah, we don't get. Yeah. And every time he's on TV, he always finds a way to try and, like, rise above it. Like, he'll put on a performance that is super memorable, or he'll do something that's quite shocking to get past the fact that they clearly don't see anything in him. I was so excited for this match. So excited, I even wrote down, poor Big Show is a preemptive Aww, <laughs> just you just know. Here. You just know he's back to... They got a one-way plane ticket to Ohio. They keep waving in front of him. Yeah. Go out there and make sure I don't have to use this. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it is it is a tall order for Paul White here because yeah. he's in with a man, Test, who, you know, for rumors to be believed, he felt very much entitled to a spot here, thinking yep. this is just you know me stopping over. You got Big Show who's like on thin ice, mm-hmm. and then you got Rhino who's got something big to prove. So I think this is the makings of a fun match, right? That's it. All the elements are here. Fucking shit. Yeah. So bad. One of the Sucks. worst hardcore matches I've ever seen. Mm. And I think, I remember we talked about it in the Hardcore Spectacular back in the day that we did about you know, the 24-7 reign. Mm-hmm. Remember we were saying there were a few matches that happened where the, they did the big stuff and the usual stuff and the crowd just didn't react to it yeah. and it made them think there's a better way to spend 10 minutes than this. Yes. And this is one of those matches, folks, because yeah. we go right backstage yep. and the crowd are fucking deadly silent. Of course, because it's like, oh, here we go, Hardcore. Oh. I guess they're going to do it over there instead. We're not going to see any of it. That hot crowd who were nuclear, mm. they cool themselves right down for these two galoots mm. fucking stumbling around backstage. Big show and test. Like, I get it. Like, it's not easy to work in this backstage environment, but give them some fake shit to break and That's stuff. It. You know? That's it. Just look at what you did at WrestleMania 17. Just have them get thrown through like a chain link fence or through a very thin wall or something. There are so many things that you can construct to make a big man look really strong. Yeah, like, like poor Rhino here who's got Heyman who's like, Rhino, the last ever ECW champion. And, and Paul Paul is trying his damnedest. Yep. And JR can't help himself. Whatever happened to ECW, Paul? Shut up. Oh, he was never beaten for the title, Jim Ross. Yeah, why don't you ECW, though, Paul? I'm telling about Where, that. Where's that title belt right yeah. now, huh? Uh, you got, you, you're going to be busy next week, huh? Yeah. A bankruptcy well, hearing. I guess that Rhino guy's not really a big deal if that ECW is such a dump. Rhino tries to get the ring steps early on. Oh, no. I know. I know. Yep. He can't get the, the top steps to separate from the bottom steps. But, like, for me, that's still impressive because you got the smaller dude by comparison, the smallest yep. man in the match, and he's got the double steps and he's moving them across the fucking yep. ring. JR, though. Oh, it looks like Rano's too busy wrestling with the ring steps to get in the match, Paul. Why? why that's your boy in there, Paul. Why does he hate Rhino so much? Scars Day. <laughs> <laughs> he's genuinely so aggravating and upsetting that he just will not put 
Rhino over. I don't understand. The guy is... He's got it all. He's got it. He has... The most important thing is he's got that sort of it factor about it where you look at Rhino and you're like, oh shit, this guy's got that presence and that aura around him. He's maybe him. missing two inches where I would say, all right, in 1998, Vince wouldn't even give him a look. Mm. But like, Rhino's the type of guy where I'd say you take 2001... 2003, 2005, 6, mm-hmm. 7, 8, 9, 10. Like you can go a long, long, long tier into history and kind of pick any spot, any company. I go, Rhino could be in there and be a main level guy. Yep. As a scary dude, the heel for the champion to be or whatever it is. And he'll look almost exactly the same as he's always looked. Yeah. Which is to say, pitch perfect. Like, Look, he's not going to win the fucking Republican primary. He tried his hardest. <laughs> but, yeah. oh. <laughs> but other than that, oh. he's, a, he's a pretty good hand in the wrestling business. Got about that. Yeah. I guess this guy's not that big a deal after all, is well, he? Seems like he's wrestling with his uh, his politics, supposed to <laughs> get involved in the match here, Paul. There was one little special zone they had for them, where it's backstage in the very get a fucking light on them, lads. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So dark. I've seen vines have been better lit than <laughs> this fucking supposed billion dollar company lighting this up. Big show. Literally can't see it. It's like a fucking snuff movie when yeah. you're backstage. It's like Ryback's getting some chiropractic work <laughs> doing backstage. There is a great noise that Rhino makes backstage when they're rolling around and all this shite. Like just you know, light fucking cases and you know yeah. stuff that Probably hurts like hell, but looks and sounds awful mm-hmm. on the con camera. Rhino gets hit and goes... One on one. Oh. It sounds like Raven been told that his, say. his coupon's not valid in this particular <laughs> branch. <laughs> it, it was um, special drywalls only had for him over in the corner. Yeah. I was expecting we get a, a, a door gore. Yeah, but something like that. Instead, we had Big Show like doing that spot again where he was like, Count him! The wall is technically a floor, you see. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah, yeah. Good. The remaining men return to the ring. Yep. No reaction. Nope. Big Show is out because he had an extremely unspectacular fall on some pallets and boxes. Yep. He literally went through an Amazon package. It was so funny. That's him done for the night now. Ugly. Ugly fucking stuff in the ring here. Test and Rhino crowds not caring for them yeah. at all. Did you hear there's a Big Show chant? An insurgent Fuck Big off. Show chant at one point? Bullshit. Crowd were so bored. Yeah. I've never seen crowd go from hot to bored quite like this. This is the same crowds. Heyman chats about how there was a 24-7 deal going on, but a Rhino's so scary that no one wants to challenge him for it. When you did that with Blackman, it gave the sense of mystique and yes. a new era. When you're doing it with Rhino here, I'm just thinking, this belt's not going to be around for much longer. No, because they put Blackman over occasionally on TV. They would actually say nice things about him and make him look good. Whereas so, Rhino's like, I guess he just stinks so bad, no one wants to go near him. So we get Big Show coming back out, but even though the crowd were chanting from a few moments ago, he comes out and gets no reaction. So maybe they were chanting for something else? Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, we get one cool little bit here after a fucking ungainly spot where... We get like a choke slam to Rhino and Big Show gets the boot, but Test falls over again. Yeah. And then we get a missed gore because I guess Kevin Dunn is a Rhino fan that will never shoot his fucking finisher on pay per view. Yeah, I didn't know he'd hit the gore until they talked about it afterwards. You like. hear fucking Heyman screaming about us. Test has the fire extinguisher, and the cool spot we get is Rhino doing the gore off of the steps yes. into Big Show, who's got a bin. So it's a, yes. su- it's a super gore. Gore into the bin. But you got to like, test with this fucking fire extinguisher going off. And Jared being like, why do people use Literally, that? Literally, as soon as Tess touches it, he's like, I've never liked this spot. It's dumb. Rhino wins. Cool. That was one of the worst hardcore matches I've ever seen. Yeah, the end is near, isn't it, for this division? Like... You were nearing like like 
title wouldn't have booked it this badly because yeah. they wouldn't have thought they could get as long out of this with the crowd not caring this was mm. awful shit Jimmy Corderas you didn't keep control on the match oh buddy if they may listen to his ideas some more you know he's got a few suggestions he could have given them everything about that match except the literal last move stank to high yeah. heavens not good I love it here comes Trish who's your mommy WWFshopzone.com, where WWF divas make you warm all over. WWFshopzone.com. Did you catch the uh, tagline for this one, Adam? Where the WWF divas make you feel warm all over. You gotta come all over yourself, basically. You're really warm looking at these sexy pictures. Isn't Leah selling a t shirt? Yeah, literally. Ooh, I'm warm all over. Oh. That's like, that's one of the ones that you should cut out. Yeah. Does that really need to still be on there? Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's on Peacock, folks. You Let know. Because there's another advert coming up later on that I would really doubt would be on Peacock. Somehow, somewhere, I don't think it would make the cut. Regal approaches Stone Cold's locker room and he's a little bit scared about going in there. Mm. He's like, oh, he's probably not here already. It's he very late. He arrives. And the guy's <laughs> like, no, he's in there right now. I can get him if you want. I'm going to open the door for you. <laughs> there he is. And who are we going to get? Are we going to get Psychotic Rattlesnake? Are we going to get One-Eyed Steve Austin? No, we're going to get this Steve Austin. Very normal, fan, calm, cool, collected Steve Austin. What's that? It's going to be no disqualification? Okay. Well, I guess that sounds good. This this non-emotive Austin mm. never does it for me. No, don't, it, don't it's, it. it's not. I, and I thought we've got enough, like, inklings and hints of the Austin to come over the last few weeks. I thought that they'd figured out this doesn't work. I thought they'd got the memo that like, oh yeah, quiet, emotionless Steve Austin doesn't work. We need to go for the paranoid kind of goofy rattlesnake instead. But no, here he is again. One more time. I'm totally cool with that. It was me, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm the one that did the bad thing. Oh! Like, you know the idea now at this point that like fans are being turned off because he's so despicable and horrible? And the show is dark sided, but like if I was watching at this point, the main thing that would turn me off is how fucking boring he is. It's boring. Do something. Is, yeah, either do something or stop talking altogether. Like he talks way too often and says fuck all. And Deborah's just there now. You know, Deborah, who's throwing hot coffee at him a week ago, is just yep. like there, hands on her hips, and she's smiling the whole segment as well. I think we can officially say it's been like a back and forth now for the last eight weeks or so. I feel like officially. Bam, she non-factor. Yeah, I think so. It's not going anywhere, is it? Well, apparently, King of the Ring, original plans before Heyman got his way with the two Chris's. Deborah versus Sarah, baby. Yeah, they oh, want, fuck off! They, no! want, they wanted to involve the wives and have Austin and not take her again, but have the wives in the corner. And they that can't be... re- oh, okay, in the corner, not wrestling. Even mm. still, Adam, they can barely do that. Like, I was going to say. You know, Sarah, bless her. She can put the tombstone on DDP, but I don't know if she could be <sighs> holding the candle for The Undertaker. <laughs> God, could you imagine some of like as bad as the cards were that we got a points? Imagine mm. the ones you could have gotten. That's true. Certain people got their fucking way. You had the fucking DX taking on the Brothers of Destruction and fucking Sarah versus Deborah. Yeah. Awesome. Book that in Saudi Arabia, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harney Boys and Lita. Yeah, they are with their new friends. Yeah, soon to be released, Eddie Guerrero. Eddie comes in and he's offering Lita some advice because he knows about China. He's got a history with China. He thinks he can offer, like, here's how you can overcome Mama Sita. And Lita's like, nah, I got to do it my way. Which is cool. I like they put Lita over. He's, like, so strong and independent here. But they, they're, like, they're not like, oh, Eddie, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, yeah, Eddie, no, no, he, he's, he's, he's part he's of the grind. He's a pal. Yeah. Like, we've yeah. spent the last few weeks being like, what's Eddie up to? And then last week it was like, oh, Eddie actually saved them and he beat the radicals up. 
and now they're just pals. Yeah, and this is, you know, Eddie. He'll be out of the company very, very shortly, mm. you know, and released, basically, for for his issues with drugs showing up. Mm. You know, he had his fellow radicals go and basically talk to the office and say, we don't think he can, he can yeah. go anymore. So he got released. And China is on her way out as well. This is building up to, apparently, what China is angling for. She wants to have her and Eddie back together as a heel team to go against Matt and Lita. Because apparently Lita and China are quite tight at this moment. Mm-hmm. And China prefers working with the men than working with the women. She thinks that's a way to kind of please all parties. But as we both know, half of these parties are going to be gone. And it's anything but a happy story what happens afterwards. I would have loved that. I think it would have been great. That would have, that's what China needed at this point in time. Because like it's not working her in the women's nah. division. She's squashing everyone. Yeah, like, it ain't, ain't working. I there's think no one left now. So Originally, Eddie and China was meant to be the heel Bonnie and Clyde pair. And we never got it because the fans that. liked it so much. I think they would have been ready to boo it now. Yes, for sure. Yeah. It would have worked way better now. And I think that, you know, Matt Hardy... There's a way to get him elevated, you know. That well, would have it, helped him a lot because Jeff feels like doesn't need it right now. But I think Matt is still missing one of those feuds, and I think working with Eddie that would have done it for him. Damn, that would have been so good. Yeah, well, Hardy Boys, I think, have struggled a little bit in 2001. Yes, you know, maybe soon they'd breaking up. <laughs> It's not, for another, it's not for another year, which is actually kind of sad. Like, oh yeah, you know? wait, we get a little fake breakup. Yeah, don't we, we? we get the fake out first, you know. So I wanted to ask you a question, which is. Lita's top that she's wearing here because her next match is China versus Lita yeah. for the women's championship. What's that on Lita's top? What's she wearing there for her t-shirt? Oh god, I didn't know. It's not nine line, is it? No, it's not nine line. No, what, no, what is it? it's less. Uh, less Undertaker. It's it's the other last outlaw we're talking about. Triple H would often wear this on a lot of his gear. She's not got a fucking iron cross on, has she? Yeah. Fuck me, no, Amy, no. And I don't mean like it's an iron cross with like sledgehammers. And little Triple H is going. It's straight up just a black tube top with an iron cross on it. And like, at this point, Adam, I've fucking done so much t-shirt fucking research, I might as well start a company on it. So I was like, look, I want to fucking know, is there an answer out there? Why is it that we keep seeing the fucking Iron Cross? Right. Which, by the way, is like a Medal of Honor that was given to Nazis. That's, yeah, for those, Actual that, Nazis. for those that don't know. Like, huge Nazi symbology right there. Yes. My best guess, I've done no research, this is purely a guess, I'm assuming neo-Nazi biker gangs, Nazi symbology, that bleeds into, like, biking and metal culture, and then people look at that and, like, that's a pretty cool symbol, and they'll look pretty badass on a t-shirt, actually. That's the only explanation I can think of, is that it's been filtered down through, like, biker culture or whatever. Yeah, so, uh, I I do actually have a contact for the, um... I did anti-Semitism training when I was becoming a teacher and mm-hmm. I had an email address. So I got in touch with, with, with my fellow who, who knows about such things. Okay. Who sent me onto the ADL website in America, which had some information about kind of hate symbols and stuff right. like that. So here's the official explanation okay. about the Iron Cross. Please. In the US, the Iron Cross has become one of the several Nazi era symbols adopted by outlaw biker gangs. Ah. Mostly to signify rebellion or to shock them for the white supremacist ideology behind it. By the early 2000s, this other use of the Iron Cross had spread from bikers to skateboarding culture and many extreme sports enthusiasts <gasps> and became part of the logo of several yes! different companies producing equipment and clothing for this audience. You're right. There is a big, big skatewear brand called Independent Trucks, which makes actual like, skateboards and stuff. Mm-hmm. The original design was based on the Iron Cross. I read Fuck an interview me. with the designer where he's like, yeah, I saw the Iron Cross and thought, that's pretty cool. Oh, fuck me. And not because it was a Nazi thing, because it was an outlaw biker gang thing. Yep. So he thought, I'm going to do it. Literally, the people at the company were like, 
it's a bit too much like the Iron Cross. Can you change it ever so slightly? And then he went and he found that the Pope had a cross of one of his vestments. He's like, hang on, that basically looks like the Iron Cross. So he did the minimum tweaks to make it look right. like that. And then go, look, well, the Pope is wearing it, so it's fine. <laughs> and that's how you had it, you know, independent trucks, then a kind of proliferation to other other skatewear brands and right. stuff like that. I did, but like, it happens obviously where symbols lose their original meaning. Yep. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people who tried to convince us that the Confederate flag it was a similar thing that had a certain meeting that then got you know lost. We've reclaimed it now. But I think the thing is, is that the people who reclaimed it since have reclaimed it from for the its people, original purpose. yeah, for its original intent yes, and what that symbolizes. Exactly. And I just think that this is one of these situations where I don't think anyone who was wearing it in the WBF at the moment maybe realized it. Yeah. But it was pretty shocking to have. Lee out there wrestling this match with an iron cross and it's like it was a silver one on a black backdrop which is mm. you know unless you have a fucking swastika in the middle there folks that's as iron cross as it can fucking get like thing is there's literally an infinite amount of symbols in the world just makes them new I don't know why people feel the need to co-opt Nazi imagery. As our friends here at the ADL say, care must therefore be used to correctly interpret the symbol in the correct context in which it may be found. Mm. So maybe with wrestling, where all sorts of different people watch it and can interpret all sorts of things. I mean, look at Undertaker's return video in WrestleMania 27. You want to see how wrestling fans can interpret even non-existent symbols. I'm sure there's more than a few people who saw Lita there thinking, awesome, another white supremacist for the gang. I just, yeah, I feel I feel like there's so many kids who probably were buying shit like that. I mean, I I liked skatewear at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would have went there. Yeah, honestly, as soon as you said skate, I was like, holy shit, the yeah. amount of like jerseys yeah. and tees and stuff and long sleeve tees that I saw with that on it. Like, Maybe pop down to the Goodwill recently, yeah, folks. Maybe mm, have an old clear out of the closet yeah. there. Just Time in to case. Let go. Just in case. But here, look, we got China and Lita, Women's here Championship. In any world where you're talking to fans of wrestling and specifically women's wrestling mm-hmm. this is a dream match on paper right absolutely it is two of the all-time greatest like and not even in terms of wrestling ability just in terms of being iconic stars massive mega stars yeah. two of the most popular women to have ever come out of wwf i would say yeah honestly that if if the ad share is broke into two different parts and you kind of go like kind of the late 90s and the early 90s lee is the symbol of the early 90s and china's the symbol of the exactly. late of the late 90s if there was anyone to like do a passing of the torch with it would be these two women like. yeah and obviously you can talk about you know sable and sunny and trish but i'm talking about like the non-typical the blonde bombshell who yes you know 90s tv knew what you wanted to see this is more from the lines of like what a woman could be in That's WWF. It. They're alternative, but they're still insanely popular. So like it's speed versus power as well, yep. which I'm very, very excited by anytime you got big versus small. But this match definitely struggles from the fact that China, I think, has probably wrestled women this size or an opponent this size. You could probably count them on both hands. Yes. And also as well, Whoever designed China's gear was not thinking about the practicality mm. of a very large woman doing fucking backflips, handstands, and rests in a match where speed is of the essence. Yes. Because there's more than a few moments in this match where the attention of the fans is not on anything that's happening on the ring. It's what's coming off of China. Yeah, she's got a big peacock outfit, like a huge collar around her neck with peacock feathers on it. Big like, Charlotte energy and vibe from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if uh, China's costume designers or if it was a lack of the oft-used from women of this era and since the double-sided heavy-duty industrial tape. Mm. But China was left... I think that... Not as it killed the match... 
but it got them off on a bad start, I think. I don't know if there was ever a possibility of this match being actually very good, because we know that China's heart is definitely not in no. the idea of being in this division. There's enough here where you can think that, like, when I heard, oh yeah, China and Lee are kind of, you know, buddy-buddy and they're trying to help each other out here, mm. I bought that because I think she gave Lee, like... There was matches she had with Molly, Trish, Ivory, like every other woman on the roster, and it was like the one foot pin. Yes. And like Lita takes down China a few times. Yeah, yeah. This is you know? more offense than any other woman has ever got on China, I think. The downside of it is, is because China's gone immediately, this is never used to be like, hey, Lita, you know, she stood toe to toe. That's it. You know, you could actually tell the story that Lee is the only one who ever came within an arse's roar. Because mm-hmm. she, like, man punches China at one point. Yeah. And J.R. and Hamer are like, whoa, was she, like, angry? Like, I've never seen this from yeah. Lita before. But this is now the match that can never be mentioned. She That's must not it. be named. There's nothing to gain. All this is going to do is leave us with no women's division anymore. China, of course, as well, has her big power spots on Lita. Pins her at one point, and we get the classic, oh, no, going yeah. school. Don't treat me like a booger. Don't treat me like a reg. <laughs> Treat me for boo, boo, boo. <laughs> and JR again so surly tonight is like dumb stupid move <laughs> why why You're why did you not, just just pin her for fuck's sake not not there to put China over I think not here to put anyone over tonight you see or the women's championship no. I did like Lita going for the cross arm breaker China yeah. reverses it into a head scissors hey a wrestling move at a women's match right in two thousand and one when was the last time you saw China get put in a submission like out comes Eddie Guerrero. Intrigue, oh, this, this guy this universe mode animation like look <laughs> this superstar wants to get a better view of the action just like literally stood there hands on hips and he reversed it <laughs> <laughs> so eddie's here we get a scary looking hurricanrana from lee uh, uh, from a powerbomb spot from china oh. i think that is bordering on the anatomically impossible with both of these folks at the moment and if there was like a sort of a meter of like how much china is into this like how much you can convince her to keep doing his wrestling boom. that's gone now <laughs> that <laughs> dirty fucking powerbomb yeah. jesus mary and joseph what a rubbish last match to have in a company. Really sad. You know? What a really sad end for China. And like. there were glimmers there. Mm. You know, glimmers of something you could do with the in-ring. Glimmers of a very interesting feud. Yeah. All of it's gone. Yeah. And it's just worth bearing in mind. You mentioned at the start of it, like, wrestling moves fucking fast, yep. man. And like, blinking, you'll miss it. Two of the you know, most iconic figures from the year 2000. Eddie and fucking Mamacita. Yeah. Yeah, they're gone. Gone. That's just it. Without any mention or anything, they are just going to disappear in the next week or two. What's the last thing that we say in this match? Paul goes, I think the winner should get a date with me, JR. The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> the last thing they ever say about China and the company, pretty much. Oh, Jesus, wow. Fucking hell, like. Kurt is excited backstage, Adam. Yeah, baby. He's excited because he's going to get these medals sterilized. And then tomorrow we are having a medal Olympic ceremony, baby. I'm like, thanks guys for being out there and cheering me on, Edge and Christian. Obviously, I won it myself. Like, you know, and Edge and Christian are like, okay, he earned that last favor. We owe him that much. But I think it's time for us to focus on ourselves. They you know? literally say here, like, oh, hopefully that'll make him shut up now. Like, they're yeah. just literally sick of hearing from him now. Vince and all, they're in the base. Oh, fuck me. I mean, it's it's judgment day, all right? So we don't want to be the ones being the judged, all right? We got a no holes barred WWF championship match. We, we got a chain match for the Intercontinental title. The only way we're going to get through this is if we stick together and do the right thing. I got no problem with that. I got no problem with that either, Vince. You're looking at the judge, the jury, and the executioners. Thank you. 
As you know, it's Judgment Day, and we're the ones hoping to not get judged. <laughs> cool. Bless him, his heart's not in it, isn't it? Nope. Like, nope. Well, I think the XFL is doing quite well. Thank you very much for asking. I don't uh, want anyone to judge it, though. I think uh, history will judge the XFL quite favorably, actually, <laughs> and the uh, many lawsuits that came from the many iterations of it. And, uh, I'll tell you what, folks. If you've got enough people in your segment where you have to zoom out so much that you can tell you're literally in a custom-built set to pretend yep. you have a room you can film in... Ain't no ceiling on that room. Then you probably don't need all the extra people in the room. Did you need mm. everyone in there? Because Austin says nothing. Nope. Triple H, Deborah and Steph, it's just fucking Vince. Yeah. Why are we seeing the fucking rafters? And, well, I saw the lights in the back and the boom. Oh, like. no, in fairness, Triple H does have something to say. Uh, if anyone's going to be judging, it's going to be us. Be the judge, jury, and executioner. I judge this promo as being fucking shy. Rubbish. Awful. I'm very, very glad the two-man power trip is going to be done now. Kane, Triple H, in a chain match for the Intercontinental Championship. And you know what, Adam? It used to be one of my least favourite... You know, stipulations of all time. Chain, strap, whatever you want to call it. Mm. I always thought it fucking sucked. And over the past two years, I've seen enough classic examples. Yep. That I've done, I think, finally seeing Piper and Valentine for that episode of How To Did Way Back When, Punk and MJF. Like, you know, there are a lot of... If you use this one rice, mm -hmm. this is a hell of a fucking Cody and Brody. There's a lot of great things you could do with mm -hmm. it. And let me tell you, I think this is a fucking kick-ass match yeah. and I remembered it as such and I was excited for it. This is that rare thing that never happens where I'm like, I love this as a kid. This was such a bust-ass match. I thought it was cool. And you know what? It still is. That fucking promo package gave me chills. Fuck yeah, baby. The seldom seen knee goosebumps. That's how far down the body it went, Adam. Oh my God. coming out with his icy belt and Steph's got the tag belt yeah. as well like she's fucking Paul Bears yeah. but I love the manager carrying a belt it's very very cool and Hunter 
He looks too afraid in this I, one. I love this. This whole build. Triple H has been showing the whole time that he is terrified of Kane. To the point where, we've said it before, but to the point where it actually feels like, shouldn't Kane be going after the main belt then? Because they keep making Kane look like a terrifying threat. Whereas Undertaker, like, he's just this cool guy whose wife gets pranked sometimes, you know? <laughs> he's not a big a deal. Like. I just think it's really cool to have Triple H do the big entrance, the whole nine yards, and then once he's finished doing his bit, he runs up the ramp. Yes. That, like, that for me is like, well, that dude never leaves the fucking ringside. Yeah. He rarely even comes out first. That was putting over Kane big time. Now, look, I know I'm on the Reading Ranch and I'm sailing mm. through the seven seas of Journey into Darkness. I think there may even be seven parts at the end of this one. Oof. But I still think you're the most qualified man to journey us into darkness. So why don't you take us through Kane versus Triple H in a chain match, okay. he frowned. For a second then, I literally thought you were about to say, so I've written some speculative jid of my own here. Like I'm going to say, you've not even finished the book yet. I'm not qualified. You've got to finish your studies before you're able to even think about emulating Chia Petta. And do I look like Chia Petta? I don't think so, <laughs> not yet. So, starts off straight away as Triple H beating Kane down. He gets the drop on him immediately, and he's whacking him with the chain before they can even be joined together. Just keep like, in mind, Kane's arm is broken, Kane's yeah? Arm, it's, it, they show you this so many times in the package as well, the big purple bruising all those bandages great job in the makeup on that it's been weeks and so weeks good. and weeks and they've broke his arm like three times or whatever Ugh. and triple h is straight back there working it chair to the spine chair to the arm and then when they attach the chain triple h makes sure that we attach the chain on the bad arm as well yeah like, and he's like stomping on his hand like he puts it on yeah which like, it's you know that's a hard spot to get into when it's the monster and like i always find that's where a lot of chain or strap matches you know, it's kind of like, okay, let's kind of do it. Yeah. You know, the idea that Triple H is like inflicting this upon him. Yes. This is a stipulation where, you know, as scary as it is to be attached to the monster, he's at a serious disadvantage now. And there is not a second in this match where you think that Kane's arm is okay. No. He is so masterful at selling no the broken arm. No face to fucking sell it nope. with. All no. body work. You've got a... Yeah, you, got a, that. you got a noise that'll make you at the best of times guffaw yeah you know and even still he makes you feel concerned for him and it's like it's only 10 or so minutes this match yeah it not massive epic yeah it really know? does so triple h has put the chain on the bad arm now Heyman tells us <laughs> glenn's arm frowned <laughs> Heyman very incisely tells us here it's all about the game i was gonna say the chain Oh, you should have, man! Should have had a special Motorhead limited edition re-release of this track called The Chain. I've enough outtakes when we recorded it. It's oh. all about, what's this guy called? The Chain, the chain. Triple H? <laughs> Triple H heads back outside and uses the chain to pull Kane's bad arm over the ropes, which looks super fucking oh, sore. Because yeah. he goes over in fucking slow motion, yeah. so you feel like he's been toppled out of there. Big shout out to Howard Finkel and Mark Eaton who at ringside when this is happening near them. They're both like terrified, but yeah. also like perp like they're like looking like they're kind of like, look at Kane. It's kind of yeah. like they can't look away. Can't it's take like, your eyes off. Seeing this. the big man being laid out like this, mm -hmm. they're kind of morbidly curious, but also terrified. Triple H is on the outside. Kane is lying on the inside, and Triple H is getting a chair when Kane yanks the chain back over again, sending Triple H headfirst into the post. Just like his best friend William Regal, he goes way overboard with this blade chop. Oh, did you think so? Because I thought he hit the perfect amount of working blood in so did much you? as. Maybe it's just the way that the folds of his head works for him. But Triple H seems to be the master of getting a really bad looking blade job, 
But it's not like he's there. He's got long hair as well, thinking yeah. about it. But he's never like wiping it out of his eyes no, no, or anything no. like it's, that. It's not like Eddie Guerrero no. or Vince McMahon levels. Or JBL here, or, or Undertaker. Or... There's so many people. Yeah. Roman Reigns. Okay, like... it's not that bad. But I just, when he hit his head on the post and then he comes back up, he's like, Bleh! and there's blood everywhere. I was like, Jesus, mate. What is it with everyone's skin tonight? It's so frail. There's a lot of low blows and there's a lot of blade yeah. spots here. And yeah. it's almost like they're hitting that fucking attitude era button as hard as they it's it's not th- working anymore this pay-per-view has lots of over-the-top blood lots of low blows and lots of grunts it was literally designed to make me laugh <laughs> i had to pause this show so many times to catch my breath i thought there was a great use of noise you mentioned that triple h has the the chair yeah they use the chair on the chain they use the chain on the stairs yes and it's not like they're doing the kind of like i'm hitting it so you and the audience can see that it's real it's just like incidental and it makes it all like when they finally use the chain just to hit someone with it it makes it seem more impactful That's and more it. real it or puts over the weight of the chain yeah. with a strap match a strap is like oh you might get whipped with it or whatever but if it's just gonna be knocking around it's no big deal a chain you really buy this is a big fucking heavy chain For sure. even wearing it must be taking it out of you to some degree like it's put over very strong Kane's back on top again and wraps the chain around Triple H's face and his nose and he's basically just crushing him with it very grisly Kane inside the ring Triple H at ringside and Kane strangles him with the chain my least favourite spot even when my favourite guy does it we get Kane whipping Triple H with the chain oh that that was like I don't know how you don't just get a load of burst blood vessels and big dirty fucking bruises it's fucking nasty because you know he's a big dude that chain was coming from a near seven foot drop yeah because of the size of him and look as gingerly as you want to swing it to make it actually you know turn over with your swing Mm -hmm. like it's gonna hurt there's gonna be momentum no matter what yeah it's gonna suck yeah Kane goes up top for the flying clothesline but gets yanked off by Triple H via the chain. Triple H gets dumped into the crowd and gets slammed from off of the barricade. It's pretty cool. You don't see that too often, like taking it off the top of it there. Triple H in the ring goes for a pedigree, but it gets reversed and Kane drops his knee into Triple H's ghoulies. Uh-huh. That's why he's always going the knee for the taking yeah. pedigree spot. He's got a preemptive move loaded it. in the chamber. Just in case there's some bollocks down there, I might be able to drop him on. Like, Yeah, they're doing a great job here. He's still working heel, Triple H, but he is, in a very strange way, in a heel match mm-hmm. against a guy who's injured and he's working you know, with this advantage and he's also getting his ass kicked and you also feel... A little, little sympathy towards him, but he's doing the stuff here where it feels like you're training fans to be ready to cheer for him. Absolutely. You know, because it's a kind of a somewhat, as as heroic as you can be chaining yourself up to a one-armed guy and yeah. like fucking trying to snap the arm off and beat him to death with it. But it still shows a, a certain degree of bravery and courage on Triple H's part. Like, Because yes. Kane is monstrous. And Triple H, it was his idea as well, I'm going to chain myself to this beast. Like, Beautiful. Kane goes back up top and this time he hits the top rope clothesline, but he does it with the chain as well. Oh, which looks yeah! Especially painful. Get a big choke slam. Stone Cold runs in. I fucking love this. Austin runs in and Kane immediately shit cans him. Like, even Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin, the top evil heel. Literally, the number one. If they had stats, he would be the top of the leaderboard here. Like, there was something about this chair shot where it's like Kane barely ducked and Austin kind of swung too high and he just brained Triple well, H with it. this. Yeah. It feels like Austin, like, it, it worked to the advantage because it felt like he was so sloppy and he didn't actually care. He ended up hitting... He was going to hit Triple H regardless of if Kane ducked or didn't yeah. duck. 
which kind of ruins it a little bit, but also you could tell that if they wanted to, they could tell a story then of like, you hit me for real, you hit me on purpose. That's what I think. It yeah. was, I, I don't know if he did it on purpose, but I think it was intentionally sloppy enough to be like, what are you playing at, dude? That obviously was going to hit me. Like, So yeah, Austin goes to hit Kane with the chair, accidentally gets Triple H in the brain instead. Triple H goes down, Kane shit cans Austin, Kane gets the one, two, three. Fucking beautiful. And wins the Intercontinental Championship for the first time. And we get JR going, Kane has done it. Like it was proper. Yep. Fucking good has triumphed. That's and it. There's very few of these moments in this period of 2001. Very few for Kane ever as yeah. well. Like it's been so dark sided. Kane has been held down so much by the two man power trip. So to get this amazing visual of him with a chain strapped to his arm, holding the belt over his head with his one good arm. On while fucking Triple H and Stone Cold yeah. are laid out. Like. No Undertaker saving his baby nope. brother. I thought there was All a very good call there, yeah. Did it with one arm. And, you know, on the topic of people doing jobs, my man there, Triple H, losing to Kane, losing to Taker, and losing to Jeff Hardy all since WrestleMania. Yep. And not a fucking bother on him. He's still a top guy in everyone's mind. Yep. You know? And that's it. He still seems so legit. Fucking brilliant. As Heyman said, and this is Heyman put such a beautiful bow on this, he goes, Lunacy! Chaos! Retribution and despair. All of these things you saw in that match. Yes. Fucking A. Fucking A. So good. And as good as Heyman is as the, the you know, heel aligned with certain people and all that, there's something about this very brief period of Heyman where he's like, I ain't got a dog in the fight. I'm just I me. love that, yeah. And, you know, if he sees something that's great and he's a wrestling fan, mm-hmm. and this was wrestling fan Paul Heyman here gushing about the match that he fucking loved. Love that. It was an excellent piece of business. I think it was... One of Kane's best matches ever. Absolutely. This is definitely one of Kane's best matches. Kane and Triple H is a magic combo, I think. Yeah, I think they've a lot of good ones. I, I know they tangled a few times in the Ruthless Aggression era that I've not seen. I'd be very intrigued to go and see that because these two always seem to pull out a good match together. Well, you've not lived until you've seen them wrestle over the fate of Katie Vick, Adam. So. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. The Rock and... Pie! <laughs> You uh, can get the new WWF Music Volume 5 with The Rock singing his song, Pie. And I didn't realise this if I put that into my browser. That's an enhanced CD, baby. Yeah. So we get a Rock custom internet browser where I assume it translates all uh, Chinese characters into... Wow. Racist, stupid fucking shit that you wanted to it's, do. It's not a rock custom web browser. Oh, is it not? Sorry. It's The Rock's custom the web Rock's browser. The Rock's custom web browser. Like, you want to see his bookmarks? You want to see what's going on in all there? All the weird pornography I'm watching. I'm looking at all the tongue snatchings every day of the week. Uh. <laughs> How to rewrite my life. Story. <laughs> <laughs> How to recontextualize <laughs> my life story. Backstage, Chris Jericho. I wanna know who the secret partner's gonna be! Wait a minute, what? Oh, anytime there's a secret partner, I think of the Shockmaster, baby. I thought that you were gonna like, oh, Kevin Kelly's gone, I'm gonna do like a silly little thing with Jonathan Coachman. No, no, hey, no. look, it's B squared, British Bulldog, no, Jonathan no, no, Coachman. No, 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 Jonathan Coachman just wanna know who the secret partner is. <laughs> I don't care! Who you are, boy! <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be a secret, but we think all know it's going to be. And Jericho, he gives us a clue. Mm-hmm. He says, this guy is a real party animal. Mm-hmm. Is, that, I was wondering, is that like... The, Steve Blackman? The like, Wolverine? Is that like... because he's, he's Animal. Like, didn't, didn't make any sense. doesn't work. Triple H. 
battered to fuck. Yeah, covered, covered in, in blood. blood. Being held up by Stephen. Being like, what the fuck happened out there? You guys made me a two-man Blood and oil all over Stephanie's nice new suit. And Vince is like, we're, we're screwed. We're, yeah. He is panicking. Defcon. Yes. I love that. Love it. Really great. And I think the idea now that Austin is becoming, like, if we saw a bit of the character here, it would have been a perfect representation of, like, the paranoia. He's mm-hmm. in his own dressing room. He's got his own plan. He's not talking to Vince. He's not yep. talking to Triple H. But instead, it just seems like, which Austin am I going to get? Yeah. You know? Doesn't feel cohesive. We're going to get there by the invasion. There's going to be a point in the invasion where we get there and it starts to make sense, the Vince and Austin relationship. But at the minute, it's still like, yeah, it changes on a minute by minute basis almost. It's that time for some tag team turmoil. Look out for the X factor in this one, folks, because if Insurrection Speech believed, these guys get the two man power trips number. Oh, fucking hell, have they? Uh, number with a bullet. They're going to beat them up because uh, that is it's click versus click, man. That's what oh, it's Jesus. <laughs> So we got the APA out first, followed by Dean Malenko and Perry Saturn. I think this might be Dean's last pay-per-view appearance. Oh, goddamn. I don't think. I mean, he's pretty much done by the summer. Yeah. You know, and also this is the first pay-per-view appearance of Perry Saturn after his incident with Mike Bell, the jobber, if you remember. Oh, this yeah. is the this is the start of the punishment the of Perry punishment Saturn. The punishment era, uh, night after this on Raw is when Perry gets dumped on his head three times in a row. So, good Jesus to know Christ. that the wacky hat storyline came before the wacky amnesia storyline. Yeah. The rumor was they were going to try and do an angle with Perry and Terry. And they were going to try mm. and do something along the lines of Macho Man and Liz. That's why they really? were dressing Perry up all flamboyantly. The idea would be that they would do this kind of like he's possessive, you know, he's a bit crazy about her and all that stuff. Wow, okay. And the idea is that Terry would go on and be like the she-devil and do kind of provocative stuff. And then he'd come in and be like, Bleh! you know, right. like want to beat people up and all that. So, I mean, it was something for him, you yeah, know. better than what he gets. But yeah, I mean, he pretty much derails his own career because of that. And I mean, mm. he was probably on route to derailing it anyway, given his, yeah, his, his status. At the time, probably thinking now, Adam, saying that out loud, that as much as I'm a fan of Terry Runnels and like to see her on my screen, it was probably for the best for everyone that we didn't get WWE doing a Macho Man and Elizabeth inspired storyline. This will show them in 2001. Yeah, that would that would have aged like milk. Yeah, mm. probably wouldn't have been the best thing in the world. Jim Ross refers to Perry Saturn as being antisocial. Yeah, and I think again, it's yeah. Jr. This is what really fucking sucks sometimes about him being head of talent relations. There's something else going on. He knows about the Mike Bell thing. That's what it is. He's never afraid to slip in something like personal little digs about people. I think it's very unfair and unprofessional. Don't get me wrong. What Perry did was awful and everything. But JR often voices his little grievances like that on commentary. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really not becoming of him. I think having read JR's two books recently, Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that I think a part of that is, and this came up time and time again on season one in particular, him talking about Vader and Henry and people's weight and yeah. stuff like that he's meant to have different hats head of talent relations lead and answer and even though he's wearing the same hat all the fucking time I think that talent relations thing is such an all-encompassing part of his life yeah oh yeah he has to deal with so much shy because I mean, of it if I can't go a podcast without mentioning another podcast I'm doing he probably can't go a broadcast without mentioning some personal yeah, thing he has some someone shit that who he has to deal with because it's a stressful job in its own right but yeah Perry and Dean not a nice last out for Dean Malenko I guess no. because they're out in literally 60 seconds yeah they get squashed washed by the APA yeah that's it and again 
you ruined the flow of your tag team turmoil match mm. playing the winner of the falls music no need no. no it kills all the momentum what you want is the guys lay out the team that they've laid out then the next guy's music is playing because you as a fan see the guys just catching their breath for having one two three great and then they're like Eyes over the shoulder, here come the new guys. That's what I remembered, tag team turmoil. It's going to be turmoil, for fuck's sake. I remembered it being like a constant flow of like, oh, you can't take a breath because the next guys are coming out now. job interviews. I'm making sure everyone's gone before this comes out. No, it should be like a rumble where the next guy's out and you're like, foo. Absolutely. Because the APA are in this for a stretch and I don't think for a second you're like, God, the APA, they've been in a loss. Nah. Like, and I remember, I guess this is what shows you the memory can, can, can play tricks on you because you remember the outcome, not the actual match itself. But in my mind, this was like Jericho and Benoit and they're in that match for ages and they're dying yeah. and they're so tired and they're like <laughs> nearly fucking laid out and then come the next team. It's not like that at all. Nah. At all, at all, at all. Nah, nah. They don't mention once in commentary the idea that being in this match earlier on poses a disadvantage of any kind. No, they don't. They make out like everyone has the same kind of like equal opportunity here in the tag team turmoil. Never mind the fact that APA are clearly the most disadvantaged here because they started the whole thing off. And also they tend not to sell for half the teams they're up against in this one as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's not tag team turmoil, Adam. It is a tag team showcase. Absolutely. Is what it is. <laughs> what it is. Dudley Boys are out next after the APA's music plays. Then the Dudley Boys music plays. You, yep. see, you see why that sucks? A bit yeah. cumbersome. A little bit cumbersome. Spike is here with them as well. Yes. Because, oh, what a tragic tale we weave. The mm. romantic turmoil. There's turmoil for you. It's Spike and Molly Holly with their bloody cousins and brothers, half-brothers in the way. Is there romance involved at this point? Because the, the only time we've seen it so far on the crawl has just been like them being pals, having it's, a little friendly it's chat. It's just been RG shucks. Mm. I think the night after this is when Spike gives Molly the the, sun, the, the Dudley glasses for the first uh, time. No, that's romance. That's a step too far. But mm. already, you know, Crash and Bob are all over saying, no, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Dudley boys, similarly, but they're less the heels in this feud. But I think like... They really, really were onto something with this, and I feel that this is a storyline that had the invasion not come along, we would have gotten a much more satisfying Absolutely. conclusion too. Should have had more of a spotlight on it. Bubba and Brad play the massive hoss momentum game. Some good stuff. These two big boys run into the ropes and see who will blink first in the great game of no selling. <laughs> big dirty backdrop to Bradshaw. Like a <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Before the Dudleys can capitalize on hitting some of their signature spots, we get the was up. We get the Dudley device. Here come the Hollies. Yep. And Bob's got a new finisher he wants to get over at him. Mm. That Alabama Slammer. Is that and new at this point? It is, wow. yeah. Wow, I always think of that as being like a staple of his whole run. Yeah, like... that's when he came back after his injury. He starts adding that to the yeah. arsenal. And he woofs fucking Devon yep. through the table with that thing. Oh my God. And that's the Dudley Boys done. That's them, they're done. We had clothesline from hell after that as if it's not enough to put him over. And then come the X Factor. Who are even more cursed than normal, Adam? It's a newly shaven X-Pac, as if anyone's keeping score at home. Did he actually say that? Yeah, literally. You know what, Jim? A lot of us were keeping score. A lot of us were obsessed with the details of wrestlers. If yes. someone changes their facial hair or their boots or something like that, I will keep score, thank you very much. Yeah, because I, the N64 owner, I'm going to go and change it on No exactly. Mercy. Exactly, got to get rid of that goatee. And then the SmackDown 2 owners would be like, oh, he's changed it now, haven't they? Oh, well. That's that, then. <laughs> Let's sit and wait for the new product to consume. Sorry, who's 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 who contributed more to the hellscape of modern capitalism? SmackDown 2 owners or No Mercy owners? Oh, uh, huh? well, let's put it this way. How many copies of No Mercy did you have to buy, Kevin? 
All right, fair enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. How many are in a landfill now because of that incident? They're not a landfill. They're all they're all safely in the attic in case mm-hmm. that AKI decides to make good on their words. Yeah, we'll Look, see. If they give me a fucking golfing glove for ripping my hand off during Mario Party, <laughs> the least those lads can do is buy me a nice fucking dinner. They just owe you the new AEW game when it comes out. Yes. That's, that's how you make good. Which will be issue free upon mm-hmm. release. Flawless. Flawless. Poor Alex Buck. He's trying to get some stuff going from here, but like, oh, you know. Oh, I know. He's really trying to make this happen. Gets a little bit ugly in the ring here with, with Justin in particular, with Brad and Fruit. They are not selling for this lad at all. No. And they're meant to be on defense the whole time. Yep. It's really shit. And I get it, right? You're not going to sell. There's ways to compensate for the selling. And I, I understand what's going on here, I think. But like if you're not being sold for the, what they want you to do, the acolytes is hit them harder. Yes, and I think Xbox takes it the other way. He hits them with the hokiest mm. seated karate chops. This is like something dude love would have done with own heart back <sighs> in the day. Do you see Xbox where he's like, aya, aya, with the open hand chop to the temple? He's like ruffling his hair. I think what it is is just obviously when you got guys like Sean Waltman and Just Incredible. These big top dogs in the clique, they just, they expect that the, the, the acolytes are basically going to lay down for them and like sell everything like death. Yeah, and when Xbox gets the belt, he's like, and I'm going to work with uh, Just Incredible, uh-huh. and then I'm going to work with Albert, uh-huh. then you know, Albert and Justin together, mm. you know, then maybe I turn uh, heel, and then mm. they turn face, we do, uh, do it again. Future's bright for the WWF. Very, very bright. Xbox not even 30 yet, folks. Is he really not? Yeah. God, he, he certainly looks it now. He shaved he that does. bit off. He does indeed. He looks old. Albert yoinks and holds Bradshaw's foot. And I guess because he's around a few hands taller than him, Bradshaw's like, I guess I'll sell for this. Yeah. But it's awkward. Mm. Like, Albert is a busy man because it feels like the only time X Factor can get anything done is this match is if the big man comes in and does his best yes. Terry Gordy impression. We should say that Albert is technically not in the match. No. He's on the outside. It's Justin and X-Pac that are the two tagging. The post-fall replay music is good for one thing, and that's if you're a podcaster and you want to take notes. It's mm. good to have that 30 seconds to... Just catch you. up there. Yeah, so thanks for that, I guess. So yeah, they, they put away the APA with a dirty pin from Albert. Hardy Boys out next. Yeah. And I know not a massive reaction for the lads. Um, I could tell this because Matt took off that top pretty much within 30 seconds to get him going. Mm. Oh, Got to get a little heat going here. If he had to work with Eddie Guerrero, he wouldn't need to take that top off for another two years, man, <laughs> is all I'm saying. <laughs> Jeff Hardy calls for the Swanton. Swanton. A Swanton. Oh. He's a little gyration and a thrust. Bit of a honky tonk, but donk a donk on that Swanton. Xbox, like, the fuck, man? That's my shit. <laughs> Xbox, who, as JR has told us here, has graduated from sidekick school. Alrighty. Dude. Every fucker is just in the ring now, aren't they? Yeah, here we are. fucking diddly boo in yeah. this. Referee is just let this fall. It's Jimmy Corderas, actually. Yeah. yeah. Letting it fall to pieces here. You know, when you have a tag team turmoil or multiple people, it's very funny when you see the different approaches to tag team wrestling within the one match. Because mm. you got these lads, it's all four people in the ring doing fucking whatever. And right beforehand, it's like, well, two lads who are definitely not going to have multiple people in the ring, but they're also not selling. That's the yeah. caveat. Can we have a happy medium? There's got to be something in between. Where, like, rules are listened to, but also you don't pretend it's real. (laughs) (laughs) By pretending that punches and kicks don't hurt you. Yeah. Whatever logic that is. (laughs) I've done an episode on this guy and I still don't understand him. (laughs) Whatever. Albert stops the pin after Jeff hits the surround town. Jesus. Justin and X-Buck look like they're sitting up for the X-Mark the spot. And X-Buck just kind of looks at him. So Justin just does a super kick. Yeah. And there you go. Hardy boys are eliminated. Just like that. And who's out next? 
against the other faces, it's our new dream team. The two Chrises, as they keep being called. Mm-hmm. Why not Ben Watico? Ben Watico. It works. I like this. Jericho's music hits and he comes out on the ramp and everyone's like, who's it going to be? And literally just Benoit just walks out next to him. There's no huge fuss about yeah. it. It's just like, oh yeah, Benoit's going to step up and help him out here. And as a kid, this was just as mind-blowing yeah, as a two-man power trip. For I sure. Couldn't, this was, and, but, but in a way that I was excited about. Two-man power trip was like, oh no. It was unthinkable though. Yeah. You know? This was like, oh my God, like the crossover of the century was happening here. I couldn't believe it. You can tell there's like a lot of reasons why Heyman was pushing for this. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's in his vested interest. The man's only been here for a month or two and he probably has his eyes on some sort of a creative position. Yes. As informal as it is at the moment, if this doesn't go down... You know, it's well. We're not gonna listen to you as much anymore. I think yeah, because your of, idea sucked. Yeah, so it's it's he's put himself out there to mm-hmm. get other people to be put out there, which I appreciate. But in fairness, you say he's putting himself out there with what is almost definitely a surefire, one hundred percent guaranteed success of an idea. Yeah, it's only the lad who fucking loses fifty million dollars in the XFL can figure out how this thing's gonna work. Seriously, he's convincing. Oh, I should put the two lads who can work with the two guys who want to get over huh. his buddies. How about that? Okay. Interesting. We get an immediate interference from Albert, who kills Y2J with a power slam into the post. Mm. So you're left with the hurt man, Benoit, yep. starting off the match. And he shouldn't have made me laugh because I was maybe getting over how serious this was. But Hayden just goes, Wow, Jim, Albert must be getting tired. He's been involved in this match so much. <laughs> and Albert is sweating buckets yeah. at this point. He's really him. fucking funny. Justin X Pac, though, those lads are worse for wear. I don't think they were yeah. used to going 20 minutes down the stretch. These That's lads were, were wet with sweat. We're, we're storming through this here, but this is a big, long stretch of a turmoil match. Yeah, they're working over Benoit. He's selling. The crowd aren't at the pitch I thought they would be. My memory was they were like, come on, guys, you can do mm. it. But they're like, eh? Yeah. You know, it's more about what this signifies and what comes after this than the actual. Like, this shows you the power of a WWE video package. It yeah. becomes an historic moment when you tell us it is over and over and over again with video packages and music. I think this does become an historic moment. There's a bit here when the two Chris's do start rallying back and when they're able to overcome the X Factor, the crowd gets really into it. And this is like one of the most exciting ways I've ever seen someone kick off a new tag team. I mean, you, you, you're, you're going to get as good as you can get here when you're starting off in there with the fucking X Factor, right? That's it. They are like completely damp, this heel team. So it's... Almost in a way like a black canvas here, because no one really feels anything about X Factor. So let's see what the two Chris's can make us feel. We get the hot jare to Takiko. In he comes. Ref bump. Albert immediately is back on Chris Benoit. And X marks the spot. But it's too long for the new referee to come out and make the call. Yeah. So you do have that feeling that like, all right, they're actually their beast. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. They're done. Albert comes in and the only guys who are smart enough to put the boots to the big man, they give him the double suplex while yes. the referee is out as well. Love it. And the double submissions. That's the point where I was fucking going, yes! Was, the double suplex was like, oh shit, they're not just tagging together, but they're working together. They're doing teamwork. And then the cripple cross face and the walls at the same time, the so double cool. tap out. Fucking badass, man. JR, he screwed the pooch here because I think he thought the match was over because he stands up and he goes, The Chris's did it, Poe! No, they didn't. And then Edge and Christian's music plays. I forgot about Edge and Christian because of that call. I was like, oh, great match. Oh, okay, there's still well, more. Well, you know what? When you play their music and they've just done yep. it and the announcer screams, they've done it! Yeah. And their music plays, you think, all right, that's it then. It feels like they've done it. Now, Edge and Christian out here. Now, here's a real pair of jackasses. For fuck's sake. Fucking the grinding of the gears on the shift. Yeah, that honestly. <laughs> Hang on, we're reversing 
person, actually, as a matter of interest. I ain't got nothing good to say about nobody. Yeah, he even starts working over fucking Jimmy Corderas. I, <laughs> I think that saying? Canadian referee is showing bias, Paul. He's being happy aiming over here. What's going on? Honestly. Ridiculous. Edgy Christian are in control. And we get a hot wah to Chris Bentag. <laughs> Dropkick to Christian who's up on the shoulders. Yeah. And this is like when little kid Kevin is saying stuff like me and my brother used to play like No Mercy and be like, let's do new things as a tag team that yeah. we don't see. And then you see wrestlers being like, we're not going to do just the double suplex or the old spot. It's like, Let's think about what we could do. Yes. And like there's an inventiveness here that I think is like the seed of the gem of an idea that something like the Young Bucks would take and run with for a million, billion mm. miles where it's like, we can do fucking anything. We're wrestlers. And seeing like the two guys who are solo stars join together, it's not just they're doing their shit. They're coming up with cool stuff that they're doing together that you couldn't think of other people doing. On night one, this is the literal introduction of this idea of a team and they're already doing such exciting new things. I keep in mind, it probably was all Christian's idea that we think <laughs> about. However, we're not going to ruin the parade here or anything like that. The chairs are brought into the ring and the fans start groaning and thinking we're going to get a concerto mm. Edge and Christian are those guys at that point where you think oh they're just going to get their way yeah, they're always going to win, again. win. Yeah. yeah but we managed to see the avoidance of the concerto and then we get the cross face Christian is made to tap out yep. and we have that big moment as a whole I think this match is a like just by their own doing and I say the producers of this match did more to ruin it than anyone else. Yes. But like, you can't take away from the moment at the end and the excitement that it brings to see an odd pairing come together. That's it. Not many times that happens in wrestling we feel like an unlikely odd couple comes together because you feel it's out of like necessity That's almost. That's it. You know? It's necessity and it's exciting and they're functioning really well together as a team already. So it's actually finally, finally something to be excited about here. I much prefer my mismatch tie team when you are presented it and you kind of arrive at this conclusion yourself as opposed to, whoa, what a wacky team. How's this going to pair out on yeah. TV? It's actually much more likely to make you watch when you feel that you've been on that journey or you've been it was there. organic yeah really. very organic thought it was a great great moment and they go on to have probably one of the best matches in the history of Raw the night after yes. and Triple H all the power to him a rough night at the office here mm. and an even rougher night waiting for him tomorrow on Raw yep time for a little uh, hot 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 promo for Foley is good. As soon as this started, it immediately came flooding back to me. I remember seeing this so many times on TV as a kid and being confused every single time as to what the fuck he was talking about. Dad, explain the joke. Dad, explain the joke. Yeah, yeah I, I, I came clean in the book and admitted that China and I had had a relationship that, uh, you know, consisted in part of uh, her hands touching my genitals. Foley is good. Available now wherever books are sold. And it's, you see, is it meant to be a joke? Because it starts off with like weird, dark-sided music. Like, Why don't you tell me the truth about what's and happening, Mick? Foley in a dark room, and he goes, I had an intimate relationship with China, which involved her putting her hands on my genitals. Foley is good is available now. That's it. Yeah. That is literally it. So it's just Foley basically doing like one of the punchlines from his book. That's it. He's obviously having a laugh here, but they're presenting it in this weird like rock bottom salacious like buy the book to get all the salacious details. Look, you want to do a promo for a book, learn from the fucking master. 
Controversy creates cash. They set Bischoff down in the studios. He sat back to back and he did four or five spots where he laughed about the favorite things that he's ever done. He's like, honky tonk man, I couldn't wait to fire him. Jesse Ventura, he was asleep. I woke him up. You're fired, Jesse. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm going on the website. I'm buying that shit right now. Right now. Jesse's waking up. What? What's going on? Yeah. I just had a little. You're fired. <laughs> yes. Whereas this... Big fun-loving Mick Foley. Do you remember that really fun book he wrote? Here's a new one. Trying to touch my genitals. Yeah, with a special what? extra not fun essay at the end. A fucking mm. dissertation. Let me tell you a thing or two about WWF. I don't know if we're ever going to do that for the Bibliotech, Adam. I doubt it. I think it's an interesting read. Maybe. Oh. There are other Mick Foley books that I'd be more intrigued to get to. That's very true. There's a lot There's a lot to pick from. Mm. Countdown to, to lockdown. lockdown. Watch this. You, father of the year, couch potato. <laughs> the next season six is going to be McFoley and TNN. <laughs> Spoilers. So get, so get ready. <laughs> we like to announce seasons back to back to back now. Uh, <laughs> it's Undertaker. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's your main event. And it's for the WWF Championship. No holes barred. Mm. Come on now, lads. It's been a few years, but you got one in you, right? Come on. This is our last chance. We've got to have a good Austin and Taker match. I'll tell you what we do get is a good Austin and Taker package. Yeah. My name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. I am the World Wrestling Federation champ, and I can't be stopped. My name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. What a new human being! Look at his eyes. He's dark. He's demented. I am the World Wrestling Federation champ. Something's gone wrong in Austin's head. And I can't be stopped. Something's gone wrong in Austin's head. Psychotic. What a cold, sadistic human being. And the bottom line is... My name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. I am the World Wrestling Federation champ. And I can't be stopped. Monday night, some sorry ass called the Cincinnati PD and told them that my wife was in a car wreck. I heard her face is all mangled and twisted. Come to find out, everybody's just fine. My wife's fine. There was no wreck. Hey, Undertaker. It was me all along. It was Stone Cold Steve Austin. What a no-good, heinous human being! Austin, mastermind of the conspiracy! That's my family, and I will hurt you. So tonight, let's let the pain and suffering begin.
My name is Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I am the World Wrestling Federation Champion, and I can't be stopped. And the bottom line is, my name is Stone Cold Steve Austin, I am the World Wrestling Federation Champion, and I cannot be stopped. Ten seconds later, my name is Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'm the World Wrestling Federation Champion, and I don't deserve this. Beautiful. Oh my god, it was so good. Love that. Hey, Steve, watch this. That's what you're meant to be That's doing. That's your character. See that? They that. figured it out. Look. Like that. Do that. But on the show tonight. Please. Please. And every night. We get edited robot demon Stone Cold going, I bet Sarah's face is all mangled up. <laughs> and we end with the tootiest little horn I ever did hear. Don't forget, there was another line. We had this line from Taker on SmackDown. And out of context, it was like, oh, that's a clunker. But it was a response. He wrote his own response verse in ah. response to Austin's. He said, my name is The Undertaker. And what I don't get, I take. And what I take is a whole lot of chewing tobacco. <laughs> Quickly, eat as much as you can, Mark, before the tobacco is wacko people come for you. <laughs> now swallow. <laughs> 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 I should mention as well that mocks the interview earlier. Uh, if you do watch it with the video, has he got dip on the go? He does have a dip on the go. Fucking but you want to know something, Adam? I would have told you and all my fellow dip heads, us who <laughs> like to see our wrestlers eat their dip, I would have thought there's no polite way to do it. John Moxie, the modern man, if you must dip, venti Starbucks mug. And he put the lid on between different bits. Opaque. It's got to be opaque, Off baby. Off camera. Yeah. In there. You never saw it come out. It was a venti so he could put his whole mouth in there. He could be sipping a coffee for all we know. he twisted it right on. Brilliant. That, it was a secure lid. Real good, professional. Good man. good man. Business has come a long way, hasn't it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> Start of this match. Vince McMahon's music played. Okay. I know that because it's very much like going... And making a cat come because you play Vince McMahon's music in the lounge, Joe Graham would appear. <laughs> What's he done now then? <laughs> she's, li- she's literally in the middle of, of making the new artwork with her illustrator for How To for the Shawn Michaels episode. I don't mean to say that is quite important. That's a pretty big deal. So, uh, uh, it's Vince McMahon. <laughs> Three man booth. It's Vince McMahon, it's yep. Jim Ross, and it's Paul Heyman. Very, it's got the potential to be the greatest commentary team of all time. Whatever it is, was Vince McMahon, once he puts on that headset, he has to become the man from 1997 Mm. who simply cannot marry the Mr. McMahon character with the action in the ring. He's very quiet. Very quiet. I actually forgot at several points that he was even on commentary because he doesn't really say much. I did like Undertaker going for Austin mid-entrance. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. JR is all over Austin at the start, but he seems kind of a little bit more forgiving of him. Like, he's been less personally slighted. Mm. Like, you know, Heyman will bring up now and then, like, don't forget what he did to you, JR. He's like, well, yeah, you know, I hope he gets beat tonight. You know, not the man I know. But JR hasn't got, it feels, as a character... The longevity of hatred to get Austin. You can't it's not really be relying sustainable, on. I don't think. It's not because no. he feels like a bit burnt out and talking yeah. about it. Because from reading his book, he didn't like doing that. It made yeah. him feel bad and he thinks it was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And he did, thought something else was a bad idea because he very early on talks about on SmackDown that stupid, awful hoax that Stone Cold played mm-hmm. on The Undertaker. I couldn't have said it better myself, Jim. That was some bad creative. <laughs> I got some bad creative right here as well because he keeps saying, like, all right, it's more like. 316 sellout. That's what they should call him. 316 sellout. I had the shirt that said sellout 316. Yep. Yeah. And they had property of Vincent Man stamped on the skull on the That's back. so cool. I <laughs> loved that shirt. And like, because you'd wear it and a wrestling fan would be like, ha! 
Uh, what? Wait. What are you? What? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a podcast. <laughs> I'm from the future. Like. All I say is I got a better reaction to that than when I won my own I was gonna say, show. I got people yeah. going like, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Good Lord. Forgive me, folks. But it's a Stone Cold main event. Yep. He's against The Undertaker. Yep. We expect certain things. Yep. Crowd brawling. The yep. no holds barred was to be expected. Yep. They spent a vast majority of time going around nearby, near the, the fans, up mm-hmm. onto the ramp. I'll give credit where it's due. Undertaker has his dancing shoes on tonight. Yep. He's here to work. As far as crowd brawling goes, this is the best I've seen out of these two together. Well, it's a near half hour match. So yep. you got to do fucking something. And you we're know? seeing new things. Undertaker does old school on the announce table and the barricade. <laughs> it was so silly. It was very silly, but hey, look, it's something different, <laughs> isn't it? It's so funny. Once you realize that it was like way less impressive, he's just like, do, 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 do. <laughs> get down from there. Do you. it on a rope, old man. So funny. As amazing amazing as the action was happening ringside uh, it wasn't as amazing as the crowd sign that i was enraptured by mm. move over paget the pedophile from oh. judgment days past we got a new oddest sign of all time until we got a new judgment day pedophile here please no although on below deck there was a guy called paget and i was just like all right google him controversy yeah. gotta find out just in case i shoot a pound of heroin in the eye a pound it was the attitude era man <laughs> doing all sorts of things there <laughs> Jim Ross uh, I know we got a lot of shots to the head from Taker mm. you know he hits he hits uh, Austin hard Austin hits him back hard this man just had a butterfly chicken wing of an ear oh, you know back over in, in England so they're hitting each other hard they're going for those big shots and they are this is like something I would have said in a hyperbolic manner back in season one when I was a little bit more cruel than I am now Austin won't even be able to pronounce his own name after all these shots to the head. That made me laugh simply because it seems like such a... I think I said that as an exaggerated gaffe earlier in the first season. It's so medical almost. Like he won't be able to pronounce his name. He won't be able to interpret a clock after those... He won't be able to tell you who the President of the United States is. He won't be able to smell things right anymore. You're going to ask him to remember three words and then five minutes later he won't remember them, folks. You'd ask him to describe a colour and he'll just go blank on you. Mm. All right, Jim. Funny. Thanks. It's just... It takes you right back out of there. I tell you what brought me right back in, though, is Austin smashing Undertaker's knee against the ring post. (laughs) Seven times. Folks... This is a seven-way grunt of the night right here. Yay! I'm, Kevin, I'm presenting you with a super cut to include here, is please. Is this an omni-grunt? We've not had one of these. Do you no. remember the last time we had one? Mm-hmm. It was Bischoff, Starcade 97. <laughs> <laughs> we got an omni-grunt. Give it to me. I've trimmed it down. This is just the highlights of... Ah, he always ah, his... ah, Austin knows that. Ah, and it's for an extended... Ah, da, 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 da. Dead man's world, baby. <laughs> Undertaker hits the post. I'm thinking he's going to start bleeding any second. Any second now, Any second now. I was expecting a gusher to come out. No, 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 no exaggeration. Undertaker, I like this. He goes for Vince on commentary. Mm -hmm. And once he goes to the desk, Heyman, he's the man here. He screams, this isn't the Spanish announce desk. It's over there. It's over there. (laughs) Once he rips off the lid and he grabs grabs Vince, he's pushing Jim going, Vince, get behind JR. Get behind JR. It's safe there. (laughs) So funny. He's on top form here. Vince is kind of like 
out of sorts, I feel, to be involved in, in this manner. He's not really a factor here. He's not really doing anything. Like, he reacts like when Brett goes for him in, like, in early 97, where he's like, come on now, I'm the commentator That's here. It. I'm the proud owner of the World Wrestling Federation, Mr. Calloway. But you are evil Vince McMahon here. You're six weeks removed from sedating your wife. Like, be a character, please. And speaking of six weeks, this fucking rest hold that Austin was taken in lasted fucking six mm. weeks. Jesus Christ almighty. I've seen fucking sabbaticals that were over quicker than this rest hold. <laughs> Fuck me, man. It was on and on and on. And when's like now something happened in this match here that I had to I literally I'm not exaggerating I paused the show and spent three solid minutes just laughing and then I watched it three more times over to make sure that I'd seen it right is this with the announce desk no 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 okay okay this is <laughs> this is Austin <laughs> Look, folks, you know how much I love Undertaker getting low blowed, right? Bow! Usually it's a punch under or the, the sort of swinging uppercut, yeah, like, yeah. bow! This is Austin <laughs> stamping on Undertaker's Oh, he gives him a proper, like, yeah. Twice in a row, and then an elbow to the knee straight after, and each time is a... <laughs> And he's like crying. He's <laughs> trying to put this over, man. I'm talking Hulk Hogan bleeding out of the eyes levels of <laughs> laughter here. I was out of it for a good 10 minutes. It, it was almost, I'd say, selling to the point where, like, everything that's coming in the summer after this, it's like, well, I ain't selling anymore, boy. You see how I've much done all my selling. He has. Yeah, he has. He's got nothing left in the tank. I'm sorry, Chronic. He's got I'm nothing s- left in his crotch, that's for sure. I'm sorry, like. DDP and Canyon. There's simply nothing left to give. The man cannot sell anymore. He gave too generously of his balls. It's the buff. Is, is, you have to wait for it to yeah. cool down. That's all it is. It, it, it reminds me. It was the closest I've seen of a real-life version of our friend Isaac's finisher in 2K. <laughs> it's the constant bam, bam, bam. Bam in the balls. I thought you were laughing at the little ginger choke Sam Austin gets through the announcements. Oh, desk. that is sweet. Wee! It's like if you brought a kid in, you wanted to be like, you know, it's like a Make-A-Wish kid. He's like, go and be put through a table. Like, okay, let's just pre- pretend to do it very carefully. Put you through a sponge cake instead. Oh like. my God, poor old Austin. And the thing as well is like, you know, it probably fucking hurt him and rattled his fucking brain and like absolutely fucked with that fused neck of his. But man wants to give you a main event. There you go. It's yeah. a main event. Austin... And another rest host starts smiling as Jim Ross goes, Who is this man? Who is he? Who is he? Yeah, honestly, who is he at this point? Figure it out. I'm thinking Big Mark is damned if his little brother's getting more simpy than him tonight. It has been for weeks and weeks and weeks as well. It's been mm. very obvious that Kane is more popular than Undertaker, I think. We get a lot of pinfalls from Austin after all this kind of, you know, the, the big sell from Mark. Yeah, the repeated, like, yeah. one, two, one, two. There's no reaction. Nah, it doesn't. And there's a part where he does a pin... And it was right at WrestleMania 33 or whenever when it's like Shade and Taker being like, we've done MMA, boy. Oh. And Austin's like, he does a kick out. And he's like, Turn, <laughs> turns over like he's getting out of fucking bed, reaching for a remote or something. And he gingerly puts Austin's like leg and arm and his knee up. Oh, it's the fucking... No, it's fucking Nos. All the MMA people tweeting me at two in the morning. I'm drunk and it's this. No, it's fucking Nos. No, it's not. Imagine if you actually liked MMA and you saw this and yeah. thought, man, respecting the Yeah, business. genuinely. No, it's fucking Nos. No one man in 2001 is doing more to discredit the idea of the submission <laughs> than this man right here. Give me taking care of business yes. or the hell's gay or go the fuck away. Yeah. You can't do this in this too tired bollocks. Awful. Then we get the chair shots. Oh my God. 
chair to the head of Undertaker, and you want to talk about not pronouncing your name, JR here goes, Good God! The brains are scrambled, smothered, covered, and chunked! Now, I'm getting hungry after that. Yeah, like. I'm genuinely starving right You're now. Doing that. You've got some fucking corn ribs on the go here, looking good. <laughs> Taker flips Austin the Verge. You know, a little reaction from the crowd, yeah. but that was meant to be like the defiant, like, you've beaten me with your fuckery, but, you know... I'm You'll s- never beat my spirit. Yeah, but it was just kind of fans going, wait... Swearing. Yeah, it yeah. kind of had that, way. You know, if he broke a glass, it would have gotten more of a pop from the crowd. Yeah, like, genuinely. So, yeah, then we get the stunner. He's covered. He kicks out. There's a dank horn that plays. To be fair, I popped at that because I was like, yeah, this is the finish, obviously. The fact that he kicked out of the stunner after all the bullshit that came before it. I know, but it was the horn. The horn ruined yeah. it. To the point, though, where afterwards I was like, well, at least it wasn't the actual finish. Because you imagine if he lost like that and then it was like... Literally the air being let out of the arena. Austin starts to chair flurry now. Mm, yeah, WrestleMania 17 repeating here. Like, just stabbing him with the chair and smacking him repeatedly. But it's hard. It's like, you know, it's not like The Rock where he can kind of wail away or whatever it is. You know, because he's young and healthy. It's Undertaker. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, it's after Christmas dinner. The turkey carcass has been picked clean. You're looking around for a little bit of good to pull off and put in your sandwich. Yeah. So he's there looking for age with the chair going, oh, there's a little bit there. Like, I'll hit that. So when, if you remember when The Rock had it done to him, he was like, he was being tased or something. He was like shaking around and throwing himself all over the place, getting absolutely Te- obliterated. Taker's like, there's a bit here that's not calloused over yet. Oh, you, can, you can give me a little bit of a dink there if you like. The littlest choke slam you ever did see. Yep. Oh my God. And then he hits his own low blow. Yep. My God. Revenge. And then he's got the chair and he starts going to town. And then you've got Jim Ross, who's caught up in a fever dream, turns to Paul. Did you catch this? No. You manage both these guys. What do you think of this? What? I don't. Yeah, because well, actually, if you think about he it, he did. He managed both of them. In, the me, Mark Callis was yeah. uh, was managed by by Paulie and his original run WCW. And when he returned afterwards, where with the Dangerous Alliance, funny mm-hmm. enough, it was Jr. who got him his job back. Uh, Austin was the young member of the Dangerous Alliance, and oh no, the match is over now. And I'm thinking about WCW from ten years ago. Thanks for that distraction, Jim. It was really interesting. Why did you say it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cat. And you gave a big old jangle of them keys of yours right at the fucking end. There is what you did. So Triple H comes out the sledgehammer. I think he gets fucking again shit canned immediately. Yeah, he, gets like, hit, he gets hit with a chair straight away. Repeating what we saw earlier in the night, where it's like, oh, you're not quite good enough though. And he gets the hammer to the head of Undertaker. And Finally. it's like, alright, that's it. That's protected. It's 2001. No one's kicking out of that. Austin wins. And the crowd aren't sure to make of it because this happens so often with this heel Austin run here early on. Where it's like, ah, uh, we don't just want to have it be like, he cheats and he wins. Yeah. It's supposed to be, he cheats, it doesn't work, and then he does something really brutal, and it doesn't work, and then he does something more brutal, and it doesn't work, and then there's a big comeback, and then someone comes yeah. out and there's a big schmoz. It's like, the worst elements of the early Austin Heel bit, and then the worst elements of the McMahon-Helmsley regime, and it's like, you've got 20 fucking running spots, 20 bits where it's like, that's too much. Yep. And it's not a nice way to end a match. And what blew the ending even more as well for me is that the bad guys are ganging up Undertaker, Triple H hits him in the head with a sledgehammer, and you hear a... He hit it right at three. Yeah, Kane comes up... Well, he's like 10 paces down the ramp when the three is hit. So everyone's watching Kane like, he's going to save the... Oh, no, it's literally already over. I get the sentiment, but again, it's... If you... If they'd have just timed it where Kane literally slides into the ring as like he's a second too late as he hits three, but it's more like he's ten seconds too late, and it's just awkward and weirdly timed. You never want to end a pay-per-view where you're just going, fuck 
this. Yeah. And it felt like, you know, you can have a go like where, oh, they're so close or I want to see that. But there you're just like, fuck this. And I remember that feeling as a kid of just being like, not disappointed, but feeling like, oh, it's never going to end. That's it. I'm not angry for revenge. I'm just no. dejected at this uh... point. That said, I think that's the best Austin and Taker match I've ever seen. The finish sucked, and there's definitely problems with it, but fuck me, these two lads just can't work together at the best of times. I think Backlash 2002 is better. And it's really Backlash bad. Backlash 2002? Oh yeah, with Ric Flair as a special guest referee. Where Taker... Get me this match. Where Taker sells Austin giving him the finger and goes, <laughs> I've not seen that one. So for me, the reason I like that more than that than this is because they're both a bit older there, mm. and Austin's definitely on his last run there. Yeah. And your kind of thing you rely on is like flair. It's the middle of the hot angle, so it's a lot more comedy. Mm. And they're giving you a match in the middle of the card, and it's not trying to get over how sadistic they are. It's like kind of just two guys mm. and I feel there's a lot less pressure on the match and therefore it feels more like a legends match than this where it felt like they were trying to give you a brawl that both men wished they were three years younger and had a lot less knee problems for sure <laughs> but I'd say of all the main event Austin versus Taker matches we've reviewed on the podcast oh yeah yeah this one was the easiest to watch yeah but would you give this to Billy Keeble and go check this out Billy you're about to have or is it your greatness on a big old curve I, I know better than to ever do that like I'm never <laughs> gonna get Billy to think Austin versus Undertaker is anything more than a fucking slog no you had your chance with Dumb and Dumber you're not gonna do it with Austin and Undertaker don't tar me with that brush that was 15 <laughs> years ago now like, <laughs> I watched it again yes it's not very good I understand Billy was right the whole Podcrabs network's turning heel on that movie right now <laughs> I mean I feel like I have to ask you for a match of the night or an MVP on this yes. one because I mean I feel there's a lot of ways you could go with this one for a pay-per-view that had you know me not excited about going into it from this I, my nostalgia is on one side and then me watching Smackdown is on the other side and that side was going you're not going to like this mm-hmm. and I thought in spite of itself this was a really good show this is the best of the three that we've done to yeah, fill in the cracks for sure absolutely I'm this glad was, we did watch this one because I would have been pissed it otherwise a, it was a good show yeah I would say it was actually a good it wasn't just like oh there's a few highlights this was a good show I watched it in one sitting it went down easy it was dead easy it went down easy. It was really fun to watch. Like yeah, two hours thirty-five. Like that's a good length for a paper. It's a good length, yeah, and a good mixture of matches. Maybe an over reliance on a lot of the kind of ball shots and you know people you bleeding and a lot of you know, you know a lot of uh, weapons and stuff like that. I liked that to be honest. I liked the amount of because it's just me. I liked the amount of ball shots specifically. Silly, like, <laughs> like, not know. the over reliance on weapons and all those other genuine criticisms. Yeah, yeah. Ball shots though. I want this amount on every paper you going forward, please. <laughs> But I think like a lot of the matches that we had like, you know, fond memories of for the most part lived up to it. Yes, this one held up for sure. The only thing I could say bitterly disappointed me was that hardcore triple threat just because I was expecting a bit more from some of the guys involved here. But I thought the best match for me, my match tonight, it's got to be that chain match. Got to be, baby. That was beautiful. Really, really good. And I think you're going to give me an MVP. Hmm. I mean... I think it's got to be Triple H. Yeah. Mainly because I thought he was many, many things for many, many moments in this. You could have went with just two or three more months of two-man power trip after this. Mm-hmm. You could have given me him straight into turning face on Austin, them feuding after this. Mm-hmm. You could have as well go, okay, he's gone. You know, he's not going to be back for you know nine or ten months. Like, the, the, what actually happens, but you have that little gem from tonight, that little feeling of, like, he's not a good guy, but I could cheer this man. Yes. He did enough things tonight where it was like, look, 
he was obviously trying to help the wrong guy, but he was trying to help his teammate. Yeah. Or he was kind of a coward, but he did face down the monster. You know, he did he did nearly do something that no one really could do, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you know, stand toe to toe with the biggest, scariest dude on the roster right now. That's it. And he you know, outside of Kayfabe, he got a lot of people over and I thought he maximized his minutes. That's it. All those you know? Kayfabe things, all the work side of it, yeah, that's all very true. But for me it's the fact that it's in shoot as well. He's been very giving and has been consistently very giving for the last few weeks now. Yeah, and like, O2 ain't getting this Triple H showing you vulnerability, uh-uh. being like, what the hell's happening? I'll get my ass beat. No, 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 no more of that, mate. Like, mm. you know, as a heel as well. So I think I'd have to give it to him. I mean, I think a lot of people would like to make a lot out of Benoit's kind of long slog or whatever it is. Yeah. But I think that they actually they booked that in a way where it didn't feel like he had had the, they didn't mention like how long has this man you know he's been in the ring for so long they didn't they, they, they didn't mentioned pre- it but they didn't make the the deal out of it that it should have been they like, mentioned it but they didn't present it at exactly them. exactly so who's your match tonight mvp then i'm gonna go other side of the coin i'm gonna say obviously kane's triple h's match of the night 100 i'm gonna give it to glenn kane myself because like he looked so fucking dominant here he looked so scary and he did all of it with one arm the whole time like you said you felt that he literally had one working arm there was never a moment where it's like oh he's fucking faking it like it was so convincing he was so dominant and it was just so fucking cathartic to finally get that moment where kane gets to like raise a belt how often do you see kane best kane vest kane raising a belt yeah. in victory over his head while the two heels are laid out i like, know right well i guess wrestlemania 17 was the last moment but it gave it. me that vibe here's a question for you for someone who has gone to see now the whole best vest kane run mm. in 2001 what do you think is next for kane after this what's the next feud this is what i don't know after like post invasion there's a gap. I know that next year, by the end of next year, he's going to be half masked, tagging with Rob Van Dam. We're you know talking about sticky skunks and having a big dick that isn't burnt. I don't know how we get there. I, I'm assuming that Kane's going to go away for at least a little bit. He's going to there, get written a off. There's where he goes away, but immediately, what's next? Hmm. Next night on Raw, we're going to get them paid stalker storyline videos. Oh my fucking god! Of course. And I know how much of we course. laughed about it and made fun of it, but I just think it's important for you, the Kane fan, to know that your favorite angle of all, you know, your favorite run of your favorite wrestler, mm-hmm. is capped off and segues into what you and I bonded over originally is what we mutually thought yes. was one of the worst, most hilariously bad things in the history of wrestling, yet alone in the Brothers Destructions not particularly revered back catalogue mm-hmm. to think that's what you've got for this guy right now oh no nah, that's not the only thing we've got for him because don't forget our good friends over at chronic have got a thing or two to say to kane too he's gonna be dropping that intercontinental belt to albert very quickly very as well. quickly yeah so i don't know what it is but if you want to say someone got lost in the shuffle in oh, terms yeah. of the plans there's a lot of people but Top of that list, even though he's on TV every week, I can't think of someone who lost more from the invasion than Kane did. Absolutely. You know, in spite of being in top angles. Mm. No, it's all here. No selling. Matches with Chronic. <laughs> and Squashing Canyon. <laughs> what did you think of this episode? Let us know in the comments below. And as always, wherever you're listening on your podcast, if it's Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, wherever you get your audio, make sure you leave us an old rating or review. Hey, special shout out to those of you who may not listen on certain platforms because you don't get the artwork. Spotify now has all of our fantastic artwork provided by the incredibly talented Fizz vs. The World, Michael Scally, 
give him a follow on Twitter at Fizz vs. The World. An absolutely fabulous person to have on your Twitter and also someone who does amazing artwork for us. Always top notch. You ever want to know who the man is? That's the man right there. And I'm very happy that you can finally get to see it over on Spotify. Honestly, it's about damn time. I'm very happy that's all sorted out now. So go and check out our Spotify page and see a gorgeous catalogue of artworks there. And also go check out our Facebook account, facebook.com forward slash podcast, where you can see dozens and dozens of videos of moments from the podcast, old episodes, classic episodes, and little previews of Patreon content. Yes, the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash podcast. How come you guys don't have loads of ads on your show? And well, yeah, and how come you're at Judgment Day 2001? Well, both those questions are answered over patreon.com slash podcast. We're edging in on over 200 hours of content right now on there. All of it exclusive that you get for a mere $5 backing per month. We're up to nearly 100 episodes of the Smackdown Crawl. We've got the Bibliotech, all those book reports. Yeah. If you like some of the ones that we release for free on here, like the Hardcore Truth or the Hardy Boys Exist to Inspire, we have just returned now for a revisited of Journey into Darkness <laughs> as <laughs> I'm doing the reading rants this yeah. time. You've got video episodes with gamesmanship involving myself and Adam, Adam and Billy. you got Q&As from me, Adam and Billy and Roundtable ones where we talk about certain themes and topics all of our commentary tracks are on there as well. There's a whole load of content available if you want to listen to more and you want to support the show. I've got the thing just for you. It's patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. And if you've got a project, a podcast, a YouTube series, a website, a thing that you are passionate about and you want to get in front of our audience, the caption contest is available for sponsor slots. There are now spots open for season number five. So if you want to get yourself booked in there, if it's a particular pay-per-view you'd like to have you sponsor the caption contest for, hit us up at attitudeerapodcast at gmail.com. That's attitudeerapodcast at gmail.com. Or head over onto that Patreon page and there's all the information you need to know there about sponsoring the caption contest. Kevin, is there any way that I could maybe be in the same room as, say, How To Wrestling or a podcast? Is there any way I could maybe do that this September at some point? September 17th, London Podcast Festival, live! After three years on the sidelines because of the bloody coronavirus, we've got two live shows. How To Wrestling, talking all about the world of celebrities in wrestling, and then me, Adam and Billy are going to sit down and we're going to look at every unsolved mystery in the history of wrestling and solve the whole goddamn lot of them because we're better than three Robert Stacks stacked up in one big Robert Stack stack. Tickets are only £9.50. Come for both shows. It's at 2.30 and then again at 4 p.m. We'll have a big hangout afterwards with all of our patrons and we'll be doing a little bit of an informal Q&A. It's going to be a good time. We cannot wait to see you all down there. It's almost sold out. And if I put a little beep here at the moment, it probably means that it is sold out. Get your tickets now, folks. We'll see you in London for a bit of live podcasting and a good time as always. Yeah. Can't wait to see you all very excited until next time well i guess we're finished with this little bit of a science season shit we're we done button that shit right up out of fork we're gonna have to think of something else to do oh god more last ride oh <laughs> <laughs> until next time we're gonna be dipping back in it's a goodbye from me kevin and me adam we'll see you next time on the amateur podcast <laughs>